Good Thursday morning to you. Felt a bit like fall walking out to the car this morning. Kevin Bowen and Jake Query here back in studio after really what I thought was a great day yesterday over at the Pacers golf outing. <laughs> about you jake but i think i heard from a few listeners saying oh it was refreshing to hear a little pacers talk after all the colts chatter i heard a lot of talk about that and a lot of people thrilled about db cooper did you do a deep dive yet on db cooper i i did not do that um i did briefly talk with stephen holder about it at west 56th street yesterday and and i'm guessing i know how that conversation went was stephen like what what what, where was that coming out of um there was certainly a mention of that Mm -hmm. yeah definitely um, and really, it was right after we got done with an interesting, in my opinion, a bit of a different Frank Reich presser than normal. So that's something we can in hit on. In a good or bad way. I guess we can get today. it. Yeah, I I think good. I don't I, I don't know. I, do you ever feel like Jake and, you know, maybe this would have been more when you were kind of in TV and, and, you know, at or, or watch these press conferences on a daily basis. You ever feel like you're a bit of a therapist in those sessions? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Just like reading body language? Yes. You know, the words can be the same, the cliches well, can sometimes, be the same. And- sometimes that psychological deep dive that takes place actually, follow me here, you think when you're sitting in a press conference like that, you start to analyze the body language because your body is telling you that maybe something's going on there with the person that's up there. Right. And then you realize that perhaps the psychoanalysis needs to be done on yourself because you are anticipating or expecting or assuming the emotional psyche of the person up there. And so therefore you you yourself are planting in your head the things that you're interpreting. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, it does. So I think that we expect... And I'm not saying it's off base. I think that we expect right now, certainly we would almost hope is the wrong word, but you would want, if you're a fan of the Colts, for people to be a little uncomfortable right now. Right. Fans want something different. Correct. Um, The words from Frank Reich yesterday were not different. I thought his body language was a little bit different. Um, I would say good news on the injury report. Uh, Alec Pierce, Michael Pittman, both of them back to practice you know today will be a big one for them because as we saw last week if I'm not mistaken I think both of them practiced on Wednesday last week and then had in their respective injury situations concussion for Pierce quad injury for Pittman they both had setbacks but good first day for them in getting back to work Mark how are we doing stream wise so we are apparently up and running I was told by our engineers yesterday that we may not have streaming today I was like let's just what the hell? Let's see what happens. We're currently streaming, so enjoy Get it while that. it lasts. So, so, you know what this means? Here's what this means. Mark Dykton. Here's what Winging this means. it. I like it. Winging this it. This is what this means. It means that our engineers knew that they had to do some maintenance work this morning, and they said, just tell the morning guys not to fire up the stream because we need it to be down for a couple of hours so we can do some work. So if we tell them it's not working, and then lo and behold, they're going to come in here and at 8 o'clock and be like, well, what the hell is going on? We're we told streaming. You not to turn we're going nuts in here. <laughs> is it a, no uh, rules? Is it like a under promise over deliver sort of feeling yes. with that mindset? Yes. By the way, our man Q is at um, Bucky's right now. 
Oh, my God, Q. Oh, I'm so jealous. He wants to know if you need anything. He said, I'm stopping at Bucky's. You want anything? I said, yeah, I'll take a 1958 red pickup truck and a pouch of armadillo jerky. I think Mark's going to leave the studio and just get on the phone. With- <laughs> Which one are you at? I'll, I'll meet you there. Half hour. Uh, uh, did you say that? You see that, you know, certainly weird, and the length of time caught my eye. Did you see the Ime Yudoka news from last night? I did not. Ime Yudoka, the I hope I'm saying that. Oh, I correctly. did for the Boston Celtics. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Um, that came out late last night. Late. Yeah, I was up this morning and looked at it. And I was like, whoa, this is a it's a woge bomb of woge bombs right here. Um, the Celtics head coach Ime Yudoka, in violation of the franchise's code of conduct, after having an improper intimate and consensual relationship with a female staff member. He is facing a suspension internally, it sounds like. And Woj mentioned that they have discussed potentially a year-long suspension for him. That's, Jake, that's a bit unprecedented, right? I I, I don't know, I'm probably forgetting something, but... I, I, boy, I can't recall a head coach, let alone of the one of the handful of NBA favorites entering the season, a handful of days before training camp starts around the NBA, and he could be suspended by the Celtics, not the league, by the Celtics, potentially for the entire season. I have, I have by the way... I, this is a slippery slope because I don't want it to appear as though I'm like an enabler or a supporter of something, right? But this is my first question. Are either of them, and I don't know the answer to this, are either of them married? Um, I believe Nia Long, is that her name? I don't know, actually. Nia Long is, the, uh, is an American actress. Um, I think rather prominent. I believe she and Yudoka were in a a relationship. I don't know if it was marriage. She is not the woman, I believe, that would be affiliated with the Celtics organization. The only reason I ask is this. We are vague on details, just to be Correct. clear. So I apologize. The, so for almost that. exclusive of that. One thing that I do find interesting, and I don't want it to sound like I'm, you know, but... Do you know, Kevin, how your parents met? Yeah. How did they meet? They met, by the way, shout out to my dad. It's his birthday. Oh, happy birthday. So thank you for kind of queuing that up. Um, They met at a party on the west side of Indianapolis. Okay. Mark, do you know how your parents met? Uh, I don't know how they, well, I do know how they met. Yeah, they were, they were lived down the street from each other. Okay. So a lot of times when you ask people that, like of older generations, Typically, when you ask people, though, like, hey, how did your parents meet? First off, it it always surprises me when people are like, I actually, I've never asked them that. What? But oftentimes when you ask people, how did your parents meet or how did a couple meet or whatever, they will say it's usually either A, like they went to school together, B, they had mutual friends that set them up or, you know, they met at a social gathering like your parents, Kevin, or C, they worked together. I mean, that's not an uncommon, you, you know, you hear, maybe not so much anymore, but there was a time where that was... Yeah, I mean, I know couples that have gotten married in the last handful of years that met via work. Right. 
So it, it feels like there has to be more to this. If it sure. was simply that he was working for the Boston Celtics and a woman that worked in their executive offices, whatever, and he sees her and eventually, you know, and they, they realize they get along, there's a chemistry there, he asks her out on a date. Does that really merit being suspended for a year from your job? I mean, I get, it probably does say in their – it probably says in hours, and I understand it. I mean – I understand it. Everyone at a workplace should be have the opportunity to feel comfortable at work and not have so an employer it's in their best interest to just kind of keep those things separate. I totally understand that. But it just feels like there there has to be more to it for that, right? So I brought up Nia Long, Jake, and thank you to Alex Golden for pointing this out. She was Lisa on the Fresh Prince. Okay. And that was or I believe was Yudoka's girlfriend for a while. Again, I don't, you know, I kind of feel odd, just like, well, you know, you had a girlfriend and that means this happens. And, you know, again, we are vague on details. Uh, just a couple things I thought about when I first saw this story. Does this bring Brad Stevens back as interim head coach? Well, that's, I mean, you would think that's the case, right? Although I thought I saw. Did they, they name an interim? They had well. They have a, a like a an associate head coach that it was believed that that's who it would be. Uh, and the other thing I think just Pacers related. And I don't know how relevant it is, but Udoka was one of the finalists here when they hired Nate Bjorkren. He did a heck of a job last year. No question about it. No question about it. By the way, good morning to you. It is a Thursday, which is now is today the first day of fall. Dame, Damon Stoudemire on the Celtics coaching staff. I always love. I, I just love lefties that that just shoot the basketball. He was the first ever draft pick of the Toronto Raptors, was he not? Damon Stoudemire was he? I believe he was. How do I remember him more as a Grizzly? But he was the first ever and the first year of the expansion or the of as a franchise. I believe Damon Stoudemire the first pick of the Toronto Raptors. Uh, is today the first day of autumn? I felt like the twenty second of September was always that. And is this Earth, Wind, and Fire, or is that the 21st night? That was the 21st. That was yesterday. Remember, we led the show with it. Were you there? Well, <laughs> I had a couple donuts and shotgun to beer. That's so right. You, I, you know, I really don't know if I was all there. You were there. out walking a baby on Central at 445, had a couple donuts yeah. and a beer. Yeah, what I had a hell of a day by 10 a.m., to be honest with you. Nothing wrong with that, right? It does feel, I mean, yesterday was brutal. Yesterday was one of those days, Jake, where, you know, I walked to the car. I mean, hell, I walked to the car from where we were set up on the balcony of the Brickyard Crossing Golf Course to my car, and I was like, oh, there's my workout for the day. Yeah. I mean, I'm sweating bullets. Yeah. Same thing over at West 56th Street. Went to Colts practice later in the day. I'm like, oh, my God. I got a – they have one tree out there at Colts practice, and I feel like we all were huddled under the tree to try and get just a little square of shade. Um. So, yeah, today is the first day of fall. You know, I'm curious about this Chiefs game on Sunday because we in Indianapolis have never really felt – it's been a long time – Probably, and I always call it the Curtis Painter year. No, I mean, Curtis Painter's a heck of a nice guy. I almost feel bad saying that. But, you know, it's been a long time since the Colts have had a game, a home game, where you felt like it was a Steph Curry game. And by a Steph Curry game, I think you said it best, Kevin, we're all the Carmel pups, right? But every, you know, we've seen them all, like every 12-year-old kid in their baggy shorts and their Under Armour socks. Is Under Armour still a thing for kids? That was huge for a while. Well, there. it's certainly for Steph Curry. For Steph Curry it is, yeah. Um, 
but you know, Patrick Mahomes is that guy. Yeah. Is that 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 the the neutral kid, nationally speaking? I mean, he is an electric player, and I would assume there are a ton of people listening right now who have like you know third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade kids that are like, yeah, my kid loves Patrick Mahomes, and his first trip here. Yeah, and so you know, you got to wonder like, what's the crowd going to be like? You know what I mean? I was um, scrolling on my phone last night. First, I, th- I find this interesting, Jake. The spread, it has come down a little bit. You know, it started last week at three and a half, climbed to six and a half, down to five and a half. It's the biggest home underdog the Colts have been in the Frank Reich era. Got to go back to the 2017 season for the last time the Colts have been a bigger underdog at home. Five and a half points on Sunday. I was looking at some of the ticket, you know, secondary ticket market sites out there. You ever sat in section 400 in Lucas Oil or like in the 400 level? No. I sat there for Butler Duke. um, And I think I sat there for Wisconsin Duke as well. The national title games. I I really like that. That level. You know, I think it's obviously it's not 100, 200, 200, 300. But I, I still think you get a pretty good view at it. I just clicked on one of the sections, you know, near the 50 yard line, 400 level, 360 apiece. Clicked wow. on the sections in the 600 level. Again, non-end zone. I wanted to be within the sideline, if you will. And I didn't see anything cheaper than $100. And feel free, people out there that maybe are season ticket members or whatever. I feel like face value in those 600 levels are usually like in the $60 range. So this is a pricey ticket. Sold out. And... I am very curious to see come one o'clock on Sunday how much red and yellow is in that building. Yeah, that's. But here's the thing, though: if the tickets are that high, are people really going to come in on the secondary market and buy them? Well, are those Chiefs fans buying them? Again, like we said yesterday, is it the the champagne the champagne twelve year old kid that wants to go see Mahomes, or the St. Louis Chiefs fans yeah. that this is their chance? I don't know what tickets are like at Arrowhead, but. I assume it's a pretty tough ticket to get on a weekend. Well, to your point, I mean, basis. a kid in Dayton, Ohio, you know what I mean? Does your, um, I think you mentioned it yesterday, you, you think the Colts will win on Sunday. I do. Is that more of just like weird stuff happens in the NFL and the Colts are just kind of due for one? Or is this like a firm belief in the Colts have the blueprint necessary to beat Kansas City? I think it's no. I, I think it's the first. I just think the Colts. Well, the Colts. No, I'm not going schematically on that. Okay, that's more of just. I think the Colts life are, in the NFL. I listen, and this is the last weekend I'm giving giving them benefit of the doubt. I think the Colts are better than what they have shown from a personnel standpoint. They haven't been prepared. They've looked lackluster, but I do think they have talent. And in addition to that. The NFL is such that when you least expect it, teams win games. And the Colts have been that way for 10 years now, where all of a sudden they come out and you're like, whoa, okay. Usually it's on the road where that happens, where they're, you know, you're expecting them to just get hammered and they go into the road and they go, yeah, they played pretty well. They, you know, they won in San Francisco or they, they went and they, they beat Buffalo, you know, things like that. Like, but I just have a feeling that. I can't possibly see, Kevin. How, here's the thing. If they get beat 
badly on Sunday. I'm not saying even that they lose the game, but if they come out flat and they get blown out of the building on Sunday, then Frank Reich has completely lost the team and you might as well go ahead and change. You think if Ur- they don't play for him this Sunday, then when are they going to play for him? Do you think Ursa would do that? No. But I'm saying it's over. If they don't come out and play on Sunday against Kansas City, when are they going to do so? Isn't it kind of pathetic that it would have taken four of these types of losses to get to that point, though? Like, why wasn't that the feeling last year in the season finale when you had a playoff berth on the line? Why wasn't that the feeling in week one when such an embarrassing loss for the franchise simmered for eight months and you had a road divisional game against a bottom feeder opponent? Why wasn't that the feeling last weekend? Hard to argue that. I get it. And I think that just adds to the frustration aspect to it. Uh, is Zach Kiefer going to join us at the 9 o'clock hour? Is it Adam Teicher? Am I saying that right, Correct. Mark? Yep. Adam Teicher will get a look at Kansas City's point of view. You know Kansas City's first-round pick from last year. First round? I do know this. I should know this, right? Yes. You're talking that it's a rookie right now? Uh-huh. Obviously a ton to get to Chiefs-wise with Patrick Mahomes, but one George Karloftis. That's right. And he's played well, right? I think he's starting for them. Yeah. A couple quarterback hits early in the season. And I do think to the schematic, we can get more into this maybe tomorrow, but to the schematic point of Sunday, the area of the blueprint that you do have on paper, granted you didn't have in the first half last week, can you play keep away with Jonathan Taylor? Because if you think back to that upset in 2019 that the Colts had over the Chiefs, it was a 45-carry night, 180 yards on 45 carries. That is, both of those numbers are, 45 carries probably more than 180 yards. Just an astronomical number for an NFL team. But that worked. You had it 15 minutes more than Mahomes, and you hit them early and often. That was huge, and you pulled off the upset. 1913. That's another one you'd probably classify there, Jake, as the road upset. Colts do have several of those. Uh, This from Riley, by the way, and this is exactly what I was saying, Riley. I totally agree. Um, Patrick Mahomes will go down in the same way as Steph, as somebody who changed the way their game is played. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like, it's that's the thing about I have said for a couple of years, Mahomes has that Steph Curry feel and the fact that. When you watched him, especially when there was a time there where Mahomes, I guess he still is, but when he first burst onto the scene, it was like those stretches with Steph Curry where any time Steph Curry shot the ball, you're like, this guy's in range anywhere. I've never seen anything like this. And with Mahomes, it's like he's rolling around like he's able to throw a pass from anywhere. I mean, that that touchdown he threw last Thursday night, the little sidearm across his body – you know, everything you're probably taught not to do, throw it in traffic across your body in the red zone. He does it, touchdown. Well, you know, the the, the thing about him, I, I do recall in the process of when he was going through, like, draft workouts, not the combine per se, but just in that workout, like, there was an increased chatter of, like, you know, this, this Mahomes guy from Texas Tech, we love his arm talent. That was the big thing. We love his arm talent. That was probably the first time I heard that word or that phrase. But it is amazing to look at it and go, if this guy was playing like this 
in college or showing how was he not the number one pick in the draft yeah i mean certainly a big credit i think to that first year of him sitting behind alex smith yeah you're right and the development that they had internally in kansas city did a really nice job of again passing the torch to mahomes and obviously that they, they identified a talent that helped and i think jake probably a little bit of it i know you and i are very much on the same page with this the multi-sport background for him i mean his dad is a major league baseball pitcher and he was a really good baseball player um, growing up, and I think that probably played into some of just football being on the back burner at points in his career. Mark, did you check your Twitter mentions? No. You, we have a Twitter mention from Q that might be of interest to you. Oh, the Bucky's Nuggets? I'm already over, all over that. <laughs> a bag. He's like, how long are you here, Tom? Like, I'll stay as long as I have to. <laughs> a bag of Bieber Nuggets. Jake, any idea why I'm wearing this shirt today? Um, I I was wondering, Kevin is wearing a, I guess I would say golf shirt. It looks more like a Ryder Cup shirt that says USA on it. I was thinking it was because you were actually going to a Where's Waldo party. I know. People say that to me often. I don't don't have my glasses on right now. You have a blue hat on, too. Doesn't he wear a blue hat? Yeah, but this is a little Larry Bird. You know, this is Indiana State, baby blue. I'm wearing Indiana State today as well. Are you? What are the odds? Look at that. And you, well, you know what? My dad went to Indiana State. Did he really? So maybe we did that on purpose. It's a great Indiana State Teachers College, right? That's what it was. At one, and one my time. dad obviously was a teacher. Um, you said Ryder Cup. This week is the President's Cup. Are you familiar at all with the President's Cup in golf? Yes. What is the President's Cup? It's a cup that the presidents first gave. And then it's not part of Live Golf, right? I do know the President's Cup, though, isn't it? No, I'm thinking of which one is the one I said the Riders Cup. Which, which one is the yachting thing? I can't believe that. Oh, the America's Cup. The America's Cup. That's what yeah. I was thinking of. So the Ryder Cup is the, the U.S. Ryder Cup is the versus, US versus Europe. Versus, right. The President's Cup is U.S. versus the world minus Europe. Okay. So basically, if you look at the international team, so it's the U.S. and then most of the golfers from Japan and Australia. South Africa, South, South Africa, America, yeah. a couple Canadians on the team as well. Well, our, our friend from Chile, right? Well, unfortunately, Joaquin went to live. That's right. So you did get a lot of... He also went to Santiago, Chile, Mark. Cameron Smith. Twice last year. <laughs> <laughs> you did get a lot of lived effectors. But today is the start of the President's Cup from Quail Hollow in Charlotte. I think it's pretty cool. I was listening to a, um, a podcast of the President's Cup captain. Oh, boy. And he was like, you know, one of the interesting ah! elements. <laughs> I was watching, listening to a podcast about the President's Cup captain. One of the interesting <laughs> elements to the President's Cup is think about all the different type of food he has to have for his team members. I mean, think about it. You've got guys from Japan. You've got guys from South America. Good point. Australian. Um, Vegemite. Sure. Just a couple of days away from the from the guys bringing in fresh Vegemite for breakfast. Yeah. Boys. Are you going to get in the? I heard you talking. Are you going to get in the? Uh, Cambridge to show them off. Uh, we're now. I don't know if they're listening this morning. They've put me in charge of the entire itinerary, and it's all surprises, Kevin. But yes, they are diehard Pacer fans. My buddy Michael and Marcus and Daniela coming in from Melbourne uh, to visit, and so yes, I'm hoping that they can get a glimpse into some of the renovations for the Pacers in the Fieldhouse. Kind of an interesting Frank Reich press conference yesterday. We'll touch on that. Um, and I think a popular question that I hear, and, and I don't know, I might have a bit of a minority view on it, 
but I feel like people just roast Frank Reich for his play calling. Um, and I honestly, I think it's a hair unfair. And I know I'll get some pushback on that, but I'll explain that a little bit later here. Uh, it looks like a nice start to this Thursday morning, fall-like when you're walking out of the car, much different than yesterday, which felt like the middle of July. Kevin Aquary on a Thursday, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. The Morning Checkdown. Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Last night in Major League Baseball, everything was set up lock, stock, and barrel for a possible no-hitter. And then guess who broke it up? As Snell was going for a no-hitter for the Padres, you want to guess who snelled out a hit? One uh, of just two? Council. That's an excellent guess, by the way. Didn't he go to IU? I thought he's a Notre Dame guy. That might be right. Maybe I'm thinking of um, Mickey Morandini. He was an IU guy. Yeah. Uh, Padres won nothing over the Cardinals, although Albert Pujols broke up the no-hitter. He did not, however, homer. But the Padres win over St. Louis, one nothing yesterday. Reds did get a win last night. They're sneaking up on everybody. 5-1 over the Red Sox. Cubs over the Marlins yesterday, 4-3. And cute fella, 8-1 over the now, Detroit Tigers. Did you see who was walking around Great American Ballpark during the game? Did not. Joey Votto. Literally just on a tour around the ballpark during the game. Taking pictures, taking selfies, sitting in sections with people. Like, I, I'm biased, obviously, but like Joey Votto is extremely well-liked. For sure. All around Major League Baseball, I For think. sure. The mic'd up stuff. He's uh, the all-Canadian guy, right? What a cool thing to do. You know, you're 30 games under 500. You're out for the year with an injury. Awesome. I think it's really cool. Go soak Reds. it in, hang out. Yeah. And Joey Votto to do that. Uh, all right, Colt's second practice of the week later today. On the injury report yesterday, Bernard Ryman was the lone Colt not to practice. So anyone looking for a offensive line change? Uh, yeah, that's not going to be happening with Ryman out. It was, uh, I think, an ankle injury listed for him, walking pretty gingerly out to practice. But good news on the Michael Pittman front. He, he is a ginger, isn't he? Bernard Ryman? Is he? I thought, I thought he had, like, blondish hair. Is it strawberry blonde or is he a ginger? I can't say I've observed it too closely there. He kind of looks like Brock Lesnar, I feel like. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, Al Pierce, Michael Pittman both practiced yesterday on the Shaquille Leonard front. I know it's a popular question. I mean, he's practicing, but I don't think it's a slam dunk. He's necessarily out there on Sunday. We'll have to see how the rest of the week plays out on that. Mark, you mind queuing up the Frank Reich, some of that Frank Reich audio? Um, the belief... And his football team. Here's Frank Reich yesterday at his Wednesday presser. You know, each one of us, you know, what the discussion has been, hey, we got to keep doing what we're doing. We're two weeks into it. We believe in what we're doing. We believe in who we're doing it with. We each got to look within, find ways to get better. That collective effort to do that, you find in this league, this is what we experience. This is what we believe. This is what we will stay on, that we will get better and turn things around. I mean, they have, like I said, Kevin, they have no choice, right? If they don't play on Sunday and show up, then officially that means that Frank Reich, who, who I is a very nice man, but it would officially show that he's lost the team, right? Five and a half point favorite, the Chiefs. Uh, again, the home opener for the Colts coming up this So it has dropped a little Sunday. bit. It, it was has. Six and a half, so it's dropped a point. It has dropped a little bit there on that front. 
Uh, college football this weekend, uh, Indiana at Cincinnati. That's probably the marquee game here locally. Purdue's got Florida Atlantic, and Notre Dame is at North Carolina. And your Clemson Tigers have got an interesting one at Wake Forest. Wake Forest, who's what, 21st? Sounds right. Trap game. I don't even know if that's a trap game anymore. Wake Forest might be better than Clemson, to be honest with you. I thought I saw a touchdown favorite for the Tigers. It shouldn't be that. They struggle, man. They get out to slow starts offensively, and they, they absolutely uh, get into some trouble. Are the Colts going to get off to a slow start Sunday? They certainly can't afford one. We will get into that in just a little bit. In the meantime, I've got to admit, Kevin, uh, thirsty. Do you have anything? Oh, well, I got a little bit of liquid death, and we can hit that right here. Good-looking start to a Thursday here on what we think, and neither of us, uh, really any of the three of us are experts on this. We think this is the first day of autumn, or yesterday was the first day of autumn? Do we know? I felt like it's the... I I think it's today. I think it's the 22nd, yeah. I think it's today. And then we got like two months, and then we fall backward on the clock, right? I thought it was sometime in October, late October, early November, something like Spring that. forward, fall back. I think that's right. And then all of, and then it's dark until noon. I know that. And if you um, live in Chicago, it's dark at like 4.30. Yeah. And that's right. And the Colts are hoping it's not going to be too dark on Sunday. We shall see. Or actually, maybe they want the scoreboard to be dark for Kansas City and fears that Patrick Mahomes might light it up. I actually do think the Colts will play well. But, Kevin, yesterday uh, at the Colts press conference, Frank Wright, you think maybe coming from a little bit of a different angle in terms of his approach of, of speaking and delivery, or were you just being Freudian in your interpretation? So let me say what my thought was walking out of the press room, but then let me provide a lot of context behind it. I thought it was the most animated I've seen Frank Reich in a Wednesday presser in quite some time. Now, having said that, if there is someone out there listening to the show, Jake, and thinking to themselves, oh, I'd like to see some video of that. And if you go to Colts.com or you go to the Colts YouTube page and you watch back the press conference and you've never watched a Frank Reich press conference before, you're going to sit there and say, that's animated? That's different? Frank Reich is an extremely subdued individual. Yeah, he's like one aspirin from a coma, right? Extremely subdued. Laid back, whatever you want to call it. You know, very even keel. That's just how he's wired. And I felt like yesterday, and I made sure I, you know, I made sure to talk to some. And I'll, I'll ask that Keith when he joins us nine o'clock. I asked people within the Colts building. I asked media colleagues. I go, "Am I crazy, or did you guys sense something different out of Frank in that presser?" Because that's what I felt. I felt like, and again, this is me putting on a therapist hat, which I don't know. I I don't feel totally comfortable doing. I thought he talked faster. I thought he talked louder. I thought he used some body language and some gestures that he doesn't typically do. And I sat back, Jake, and thought to myself, I guess that's to be expected. The Colts are facing the four-time defending AFC finalist on Sunday. They're facing Patrick Mahomes. He didn't get asked one single Chiefs Mahomes question yesterday in the press conference. Nearly every single question was about the state of his football team. The current situation, the current issues, the ruts, whatever you want to call it. And so I guess when you're being questioned, you're going to get a little defensive. You're going to sound a little defensive. And I want to be clear, like I said, to start the show, his message was not any different yesterday. 
He still is a firm believer in their process and what they're doing. His words will not, I think, make a whole lot of Colts fans be like, oh, man, this sounds great. This is different. But I did think his body language was different. And now my question becomes this. He clearly feels a sense of urgency, whether he wants to admit it or not. He feels it, in my opinion. Does his football team feel it? When they've been at their best under him, it's been the back against the wall. When the bullseye is on them, that's when they struggle. They can't handle success. They can't handle expectation. And, I, you know, people are like, you know, you know, can you play some audio? I don't think the audio does it justice, frankly. I, I think the video does it a little bit more. And I'll reiterate, you've got to base it off of the Frank Reich meter. The Frank Reich meter is very scaled back, very subdued. I thought we saw a slight uptick in it yesterday. It, that's interesting because it does feel like it. Now, let me ask you. If you were to look at the urgency of this game, game three, still looking for win number one. If they were 0-2 and had lost both of those games by 17 points, but had lost them to Minnesota and Baltimore, and this weekend the opponent was Seattle, would it be as big? Or is it the fact that you lost well, they didn't lose two games. You tied 1-1-1. You denied yourself victory in two games against divisional opponents, the one of them being the absolute like benchmark line in the sand game from a year ago. And now you have what has undoubtedly been the hottest offensive team in the NFL of the last five years with the most dynamic offensive talent in the NFL coming into your building. How much of that, how much of the magnitude the microscope, the spotlight and the temperature raising moment of this Sunday is because of the combination of who they played last and the particular player that's coming in. I think that's part of it. I would also say who you played last, Jake, that's two AFC South games. That's two of your six. You're a third of the way through your AFC South schedule and you haven't won a game yet in the division. And you haven't won a division title since 2014. So I think that adds to some of it. It's two of your, on paper, easier opponents you've played. And now it's the home opener. And as you mentioned in the first segment, ticket prices are through the roof for Sunday. And I think it's because who's on the visiting sideline. Not because of anticipation of this fan base wanting to see this team. So I think when you factor all of that in, that is where I'm at right now with this and and frankly you know I think Frank tried to say this yesterday I'd probably push back a little bit on it at one point I think he tried to compare them digging out of a one and five hole in 2018 this to me is so much different you obviously aren't one and five but Jake in that 2018 season Andrew Luck hadn't played football in a year Frank Reich was a first-time head coach you totally overhauled the defense. You, know, you went from the Pagano defense of a 3-4 to an Eberflus defense, Eberflus defense of a 4-3. You know, when you're the first six games as an NFL head coach, it's still kind of the honeymoon stage. This is no honeymoon. I mean, you are in the, right. you are in the thick of it now. And I felt like, again, yesterday, it was an acknowledgement with body language from Frank Reich of the most adversity, the most public criticism. And again, in my opinion, rightfully so, that he's faced in his tenure. So you think he's feeling it? 
Whether he wants to admit it or not. I mean, yeah. what's every coach say? You know, there's always pressure in this job. Uh, you know, we, I mean, there's nobody's going to put more pressure on me than than me. You know, I mean, we want to win. You know, this, this and we're professionals. We know what we need to do. I, I get it. And again, his words, Jake, will continue to frustrate fans because I think fans want to hear a different Frank Reich. I think they do. You aren't going to hear that with his words yesterday, but I did think from a body language standpoint, and I'm sure the tone of questioning plays into some of that. Like anytime people are asking questions about your process and your operation and your franchise and your football team, you're probably just naturally going to react that way. I think all of us have that element in us as human beings. But I thought we saw just a different side of him yesterday. Kevin, I vividly recall 2002, I was driving back from covering an Indiana basketball game. I don't remember who they were playing. And we took, I remember I was with Tom Trial. We took old State Road 37 on the way back because there was ice on 37. Not that there wouldn't be on the old one. Beautiful drive. And the Colts had lost 41 nothing to the Jets. And a year later, they made it to the conference championship. And New England kind of manhandled them. And the year after that, they went back to New England. And New England kind of manhandled them. And the year after that, they were a shoe-in for the Super Bowl, and Mike Vanderjet went wide right. And all of a sudden, it started what was once a percolation became a loud echo throughout the city of Indianapolis. Tony Dungy's too nice a guy. Yeah, he seems like a nice guy, and he's a man of great moral character, and he does a lot of great things. But darn it, I want somebody that's going to yell at these guys. I want somebody that's going to rip into them. I want somebody that's going to tear into them. Tony Dungy can't get it done. Vanderjat goes on television in Canada and says, you know, I, I just don't see it out of Peyton and, and Coach Dungy, you know. And that's then he became the, the idiot kicker. Got liquored up and ran his mouth. And then, of course, they break through and they win, and it changed everything. With, with Frank Reich, you get a little bit of that, right? I saw yesterday Okuda the Lions coming out and saying, look, man, we take on the, the the MO of our coach, Dan Campbell. That's our coach. We love it. We love that energy. We love that fire. Now, does that mean Detroit's going to the Super Bowl? Probably not. But but the, gla- the grass is always greener, and people are going to look at stuff like that and go, why can't we get that here? Why can't we get that here? If they start winning, the ends justifies the means. But for right now, the passive nature and the family, quiet, minister, scrupulous behavior of Frank Reich, while people, I think, admire it as an individual, it is going to get louder if this team doesn't start winning, that he that the reason they're not winning is because they're not held accountable enough. Dave, you're rethinking your uh, plans to go to Vegas later this year? Well, yeah, we were after the way they performed, you know, I've got a 65th birthday coming up the end of October, and we were thinking about making a trip to Vegas. Happy early birthday. Thank you. And uh, I can't justify spending the money just to go out there and see. I mean, it'd be great to see the stadium, but if I'm going to go out there, I might as well go out there to see a team that I think will be competitive. And um, I don't think these guys are it. And I something you guys were talking about earlier was Frank Wright and his play calling. The one thing Frank has never done, he doesn't adapt to the talent he has on the field. Andy Reid's done a great job with that because of 
he adapted his offense around the people that he has. Frank didn't do that. He did it in Philadelphia when Wentz went down and he had to have Nick Foles. But for whatever reason, how do you don't have Hines and Taylor in the backfield at the same time or in the slot in the backfield when either one of them can break 30 yards in a, on an open pass, swing pass? I don't know. Yeah, that that part's indefensible. And thank you for the call, Dave. I, Again, I can't I, believe I know Dave, and I can't believe he's turning sixty-five. Really, fifty-five at most. Now, some people would say if you're, you know, feeling down about the Colts, that's why you go to Vegas. Totally. I mean, there, it's not like there's not a lot to do there. There's a lot the of distraction. Game, yeah, there's right? a lot of distraction. If you want that. Woo! Um, to Dave's point, again, the Heinz thing and the usage of him on Saturday or on Sunday just is indefensible. And the excuse and the reasoning behind why you didn't use him more, to me, makes zero sense. Like, if you're a head coach in the NFL, you have to have contingency plans out the wazoo. And when Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce pop up on the injury report on Wednesday, that has got to start thinking to yourself, and I mean, you knew Pierce was suffering the concussion symptoms on Monday. You have to sit here and say, okay, if they play, here is the one game plan. If they don't play, here's the other game plan. And basically, Frank said that they just didn't have an alternative game plan that they felt like they could implement. And that, to me, is just not – that's coaching malpractice. That's not thinking outside of the box and saying, hey, we, you know, these guys, we just feel like they're going to make it through their respective injuries and they're going to be out there. Naheem Hines is your most experienced skill player on the roster. If there's anybody that can handle – a suddenly 24-hour, hey, Naheem, we might need you a little bit more than we thought, you think it'd be him. Right. Really high football IQ guy. Plays multiple positions. They utilize him on punt return and on, obviously, as a wideout. Obviously, as a running back as well. Again, as I said earlier, and and I'll point this out in the 8 o'clock hour, I think there's some evidence that the Colts have been pretty good offensively in scoring the football, frankly, under Reich. But what he did on Sunday and how he tried to give his football team the best chance to move the football without Pittman and Pierce, inexcusable. I'm telling you, Hines is the one. You know, it is interesting, Kevin. Nobody talked more in the offseason about the elevated role that was about to come for Naeem Hines than Frank Reich, right? And that's why it's even more confusing to me. You know, this was not you and I from 7 to 10 a.m. every morning. This was literally Frank Reich walking into a spring press conference and saying, you know what, I was just talking to one of our staff members, and I kind of was joking with them, uh, but I'm serious in saying, uh, if I had one of those fantasy football teams, I'd draft, Frank Re- or I, I'd draft Naheem Hines. And they, I mean, they grouped Hines in with Taylor and Pittman as a playmaker. Now, that to me is a bit lofty, but they were doing that. Is it? I mean, Taylor led the league in rushing by 500 yards, and Pittman, to me, is a perennial 1,000-yard wide. I, I don't know if Hines is there. But considering comparing him to the rest of the skill group, hell, he might as now, well be. last thing before uh, we move along off of this, at least for now, in terms of practice yesterday, guys that are starting to mend back in the right direction health-wise and guys that are now all of a sudden a concern for Sunday. Yeah, let's start with the good news. Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, again, both practiced yesterday. Um, late in the week last week, they did not practice. We'll see if they're out there tomorrow or today uh, because that's when they hit kind of a snag last week. 
in their recovery. Uh, but I think good early news on both of those fronts. The only Colt that did not practice yesterday was Bernard Ryman. So if you're looking for a switch at left tackle, I guess maybe it could come from Dennis Kelly, but I think it'll be Matt Pryor starting at left tackle. Mark, do we know if eventually or not Bernard Ryman has predicted his return? Not yet. I'm sure he'll be back, though. I know you want that sound. I don't have it. Did we get his hair color? <laughs> I, I, I I think he looks blonde. I don't know where the I think he looks like comments came from. I think he like he looks like what? Lesnar. Brock Lesnar. He's he's a little bit ginger. Is he kind of a strawberry blondish type color? Am I wrong? He's not I full ginger. He's not carrot top ginger. He's more strawberry blonde, I guess. Boy, right. Boy. Okay. <laughs> That's a ginger talk. I did, I I I'm not sure. But I knew one thing. I'm Bernard Ryman, and I'll be back. <laughs> See? Honestly, right now, if you're the Colts and you just hear that clip, that to me would be enough to say, all right, Matt Pryor, you're heading to the That's bench. Right. Bernard right. Ryman's in the starting lineup. Pryor, right. do your best Schwarzenegger now. <laughs> That's right. You're out. Uh, little Marion football coming up next. That's right. Uh, they got a game coming up. They're on the road, but you know what? They beat Madonna 86 nothing. Oh, God. In week one. I had to do a triple check when I saw that score. Lots of questions about that. I want to know if they were going to go for 100. Right? We'll continue the Colts conversation after that. We'll talk a little Marion football with head coach Mark Henniger. Coming up next here, Kevin and Corey. Kevin, I've got a trivia question for you. This is a great trivia question. Okay. Now, I'm not saying that my math is entirely correct here. But I'm looking at the... Still thinking back to the guy that called in on Monday. RG plus RB and plus LB. <laughs> yeah, the algebra, football algebra. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Uh, by the way, uh, adjustment to the scoring on my midterm, 90. Whoa. A minus, baby. Holy hell. A minus. We got to get a cake in here for I that, know. Jake. I was very happy with Let's myself. Oh, congrats. Um, the Marion University football roster has just over 100 names on it. What do 14 of them, only 14, have in common? 14 of them. I could ask this question to their coach. Should we do it that way? Yeah, because I'm lost. 14 okay. of them have the last start with Q. Oh, that's an excellent guess. Joining us now on the Payless Liquors last, uh, guest line, he is the long-tenured head football coach of the Marion Knights, and he joins us right now, Mark Henniger. Uh, coach, I'll begin with that trivia question. On your website, at least, just over 100 players on the roster. And if my math is correct, there are 14 that share one thing in common that make them not outliers, but different than the rest of the roster. Do you know what it is? I have no idea. I swear to God, I work there, too. (laughs) (laughs) Every player on your roster but 14 are from the state of Indiana. Ah, yeah, yeah. Which is cool because, look, man, here you've got what you're growing as a national brand, but you're doing it with local players. And I remember, Coach, when I was a kid – my dad would want to introduce me to like college football, but instead of dealing with like the the, the crowds and the, the ticket prices of a Notre Dame or a Purdue or an Indiana, we'd go over and we'd watch Butler player, we'd watch U Indy, and you guys now have catapulted yourself right into the top of that list in terms of options. And I just think it's cool that people are going to see local products when they come out. Yeah, that's one thing we're really proud of. You know, I mean, it's been I mean being. You know, growing up here in Indiana and, and being, you know, a, you know, I, I'm a product myself of Indiana high school football. And, and so, um, you know, the fact that we're able to compete year in and year out, you know, at the highest level of our division um, and doing it primarily with local, 
you know, local guys and, and, you know, products of local high school programs and local high school football coaches. And uh, it's really, uh, it is, it's something that we're really, really proud of. And, and, you know, when we sit down at the beginning of every recruiting cycle and talk about, you know, what's our strategy going to be as, as we're trying to fill out our roster. I mean, we want to make sure that, that we are covering our home state first. And, um, you know, we always feel like, you know, here at, at, at Marion, as long as we, you know, football remains important and we continue to receive the support that we need uh, to be successful. If we do a good job just recruiting our backyard, we think that we're always going to be able to compete for championships. Mark, you've built a hell of a thing there. Why have you stayed? <laughs> it's an awesome place, you know. I mean, it's a, it's a great place. I mean, we're, we're um, you know, there's – um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in the grass isn't always greener. You know, I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, we're able to win, we're able to compete. Um, I'm around just outstanding people. Um, you know, I, I work with great people. I've got an outstanding staff, um, and, and the, the young men that we're able to recruit and attract, to to Mary and I just enjoy being around them every day. I mean, there we we are. You know, I am um, I, I am truly blessed that every day I get to go to work um, and you know coach a kids game and and you know be around just a bunch of amazing people every day. Coach, I'm curious. You know, you open the season with an 86 nothing win over Madonna, um, and this is football, right? What's 86 nothing. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And um, thought it was rugby at first. I thought she was touring in London, but. And look, that's an NAIA school that started football just two years ago. It's a faith-based school. So, and I mean this is no disrespect to them. They're trying to get their program up and going off the ground. You guys know a little bit about that. So, is that game or that partnership for the second year in a row with them, was there a connection between the two schools where you guys are kind of, you know, doing them the favor of helping trying to get their program going? No, they're actually in our league. I mean, so that's, that's a that was. So a, I didn't realize they were in your league. They just joined two years ago, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. They they just started football, and it was kind of, I think, um, obviously, COVID threw all of us for a loop, right? But I, I think it really threw them for a loop. They they were supposed to start. I think twenty. And they were kind of recruiting, putting a group together. And then 2020 was supposed to actually be, you know, their their first season. That got delayed, and then we played them in 21. And and uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't very long ago we were in their shoes of, of you know just starting the thing up from scratch and and taking lumps every week. And um, but yeah, that's that's a that's actually a conference game for us. When you and my apologies, I didn't realize that was a conference game. But when, yeah. when, when you look at, at this point in the year, you know you're you're two games in. You're getting ready to go on the road for any team. I mean, people around here, coaches, you know, are looking at the Colts, going, "What is going on?" And I know you can't speak about the Colts situation. You're not in that locker room. But for you personally, as a coach, you want to be like at what point in the season is it when when you typically then feel like you truly truly know all angles and areas of your football team uh, man I, I mean i don't know if there ever is a point where you truly know everything you know it's it's um you know our we're we focus so much on the process you know and 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 what are we you know what's on schedule for us to do and accomplish today you know and and um, you know, we, that's one of the things I think that, um, you know, our staff, we really focus on that. Our players do a great job, I think, at focusing on 
like today and living in the moment and trying to be, you know, the best football team that I can be and the best football player that I can be today um, and then come out tomorrow. And what can I do tomorrow to make to make myself just a little bit better? And, um, you know, it, it's, you know, you're, you're constantly finding, you know, finding angles and, and it just, you know, we're pushing and, and um, you know, really challenging and, and our team to, to compete as, at the highest level where we can compete, regardless of the competition, you know, regardless of, um, you know, regardless of, of, you know, what we're doing in practice this afternoon, you know I mean? So it is, you've got to constantly focus on, are we getting better? Um, because if you're not, and the, you know, the conference that we're in um, and the league that we're in and the schedule that we play, I mean, you'll, you'll get beat really quickly if you're, you know, thinking that you've got it all figured out or, you know, looking at things that are, that are a week, two weeks, three weeks down the road. Marion, 2-0 and in the year. Mark Henniger, their head coach, is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Coach, I know it's before your time, but um, I remember certainly a um, cathedral product like myself, William Stubbs, being a great player and got kind of got Marion off the ground in the early years. Uh, and then in yep. your tenure, you guys have had some tremendous talents and guys that have even – Florida with some NFL careers. Um, if you had to throw out maybe the best player you've coached at Marion, who would that be? <laughs> You're gonna get me in trouble. Um, <laughs> no one's listening I, at I, eight, eight thirteen in the morning. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard for me to it's hard for me to pick one. Um, you know, but like Krishan Hogan was was a guy that. You know, had um, you know played in the NFL, was on active rosters. We've got, you know, we had a tight Brandon Dillon, our tight end, that's played in the NFL. Johnny William, our receiver from last year, um, you know, is, is kind of you know getting some looks and you know spent some time in the Colts camp and um, you know, but but you just go back to really, I mean, Krishan, what he was able to accomplish. I mean, we you know literally just saddled that guy up and rode him, you know, through you know two straight playoff runs and and um you know he was pretty pretty explosive and dynamic and then you're looking at you know also just kind of the development that he made um you know within our program from like when we got him to where he was when he ended and and just you know that was strictly him um you know making a decision that you know hey you've got a ton of talent Krishan, but you know you're gonna have to really fall in love with the weight room you're gonna have to you know just do all these other things right um and he did it you know and it was uh you know and he obviously had had tremendous results and you know and and for as good a football player as he was he's you know he's probably a better dad and a better guy and and you know all that kind of stuff so um you know i'm blessed to be around a lot of guys that are just like that you know, but if you force me to pick one, I'm probably going to say Krishan. Marion, going to be on the road taking on Missouri Baptist University. That is Saturday at 2 o'clock. And then back home for homecoming on October 1st, taking on Taylor. And we look forward to talking about that uh, as that time approaches. Coach, appreciate the time. Good luck this weekend, all right? Yeah, hey, guys. Thanks for having us on. Appreciate it. Um, again, Mark Henniger, the head coach of the Mary Knights. I'm telling you, man, that William Stubbs is a good call kevin because i remember seeing him in high school yeah a uh, really good You're player older than me. and then boy he was a great player at cathedral and you know marion was just one of those places at first you know it was like it was marion college and it was you know you just thought oh, okay yeah that's the place on cold springs road where carl fisher lived and then boom here it is now i mean you're basically a football power you know i drove by it yesterday um well 
to the track or to the brickyard crossing and then on my way home as well. Um, and obviously it was light when I was driving home. Gosh, just all the buildings that are going up over there as well. Um, yeah. it's really expanding as a university. Joe messaged me this getting back in the Colts conversation. Does Jim Mercer realize that Sean Payton is available? Or that Ballard is the root cause of this mess? Let's go with the first question. Um, I get the vibe that Sean Payton really wants to coach again and really wants to do it soon. But, and guys, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe the Saints still have control over Sean Payton, I think, for two more years. So if you were to get him, that would have to be a trade. Sean Payton was rumored to have been there was rumored to have been some conversations about Sean Payton or with Sean Payton when Frank Reich was hired, correct? Why am I thinking that was Gruden? Gruden as well. But Sean Payton too? Sean Payton, I think they they here's the trick, Kevin. What would you things. trade for Sean Payton? I mean, what would they what would it require? A second and a fifth rounder. I Again, like it's so foreign to me, like what even would be a acceptable trade? Well, I mean, what did they trade for Pullian? Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, you're going way back on that one. But that's, I mean, that's the precedent, right? I mean, I don't know if, when is the last time they traded for an executive? I mean, when's the last coach has been traded? Scotty's down there probably furiously. Wasn't typing. Belichick traded at one point? That may be right. I'm looking right now at the history of, of trading coaches, but Peyton is one that the, the trick becomes, Kevin, you know, teams can always say, like, we, we had no conversation with that coach. Well, your your representative called their agent and had a conversation, that kind of thing. I, I do think there might have been some exploration that took place. With Sean Payton, I don't know how in-depth it went by any stretch of the imagination. Well, some of the tampering with Miami was Sean Payton-related, I believe, too. Uh, and as Sean Payton's had, I, listen, between, wasn't Bounty Gate Sean Payton? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's had his indiscretions for sure. Um, John Gruden, by the way, was sold by Rainer, uh, by Al Davis to the Bucks, Two first-round draft picks and two second-round draft picks. God, that's rich. I mean, that's, you got no quarterback and you're going to give up that? I mean, so two ones and two twos. Bill Parcells, um, the Jets. Didn't the Jets hire Parcells for, or uh, excuse me, Belichick for like two weeks? Yeah, see, that's why I, I, I kind of recall a trade there. Yeah, as Jeremiah points out, Sean Payton is waiting for the Cowboys head coach position to open. Yeah, might not have to wait too long. By the way, the probably true. You'd think the Saints would want to trade him out of the conference. You would think. If you're Depends getting... on that draft compensation, though. Right. That's a good point. He did sign a five-year deal with the Saints in 2019. So, yeah, I thought it was through 2024. Mm-hmm. So, two more years. Is Peyton doing – I haven't watched yet. Is he – Fox pregame? Is he Sean in that Payton? studio? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I saw him on – He's not an in-game pre-game. analyst. Right. Third and fourth round picks for Bill Parcells. He got a third and a fourth. So, I mean, based on that, like I said, a second and a fifth maybe – a first and a third, something like that. Probably two picks if they want to get Sean Payton would be the precedent. Do you think it's ludicrous that I think Frank Reich is a better play caller than most believe? I don't think that's ludicrous, Kevin. I think the problem is this, and you always, always, always run into this. 
that might be his bread and butter as opposed to being a head coach. And I would agree wholeheartedly with that. Wholeheartedly with that. Like, I think one of the bigger issues that I have from Sunday, Jake, is if I'm Frank Reich last week, I'm walking down to Gus Bradley's office on Monday, and I'm saying, Gus, I know you weren't here last year, but let's sit down for a second and watch the opening drive from Trevor Lawrence against our football team to end last season. And you watch that, and you see Trevor Lawrence have a perfect first drive, gain confidence, believe in himself, and you simply walk out of that room and you say, Gus, I don't care what scheme you got to pull out for this week. I don't care what game plan. That cannot happen again. Cannot happen again. And what did you see on Sunday? The exact same opening drive. So to me, play caller is one thing, and I'll explain this a little bit more here in the 8 o'clock hour, but it is the head coaching responsibilities, the CEO, that what falls under that umbrella, that's where I have a little bit more worry. You know, I just think Tony Dungy. I mean, when Dungy was here, it got to the point, you know, people were like, and kudos to him, right? Like that Dungy, obviously Dungy had vast head coaching experience when he came here, but you know, in, in the early years, again, when he when the results weren't there, people were like maybe he should just go back to being a defensive coordinator. Da, 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 da. You know, I mean, it, to me, it's very similar. The Dungy and Reich approach and the whispers of question about the validity or the effectiveness of said approach are pretty similar to one another. Coming up at the 9 o'clock hour, Zach Kiefer is going to join us, and we'll get some Chiefs conversation from Adam Teicher. Again, a 10-day break for Kansas City coming into this one. Uh, their wins, Arizona and the Chargers last Thursday night. Tonight on Thursday Night Football, by the way, it'll be the Steelers and Browns. Uh, four and a half points. Did I see that right, Mark? Browns favored? That's what I last saw, yeah. At home, correct? Correct. Jacoby Brissett, four and a half point favorite there in that matchup tonight for Thursday Night Football. That Again, seems that odd, on doesn't Amazon. it? You thought a little closer to pick them? Yeah. Well, I think usually the home team gets like three points. That's usually a gift. gift I'm with Jake, points. though. I probably If you would have told me before I looked at lineup, I would have said Browns are favored by one or two. Could get closer. High. We'll see. TJ Watt out. Do we know yeah, yet who yeah. Pittsburgh's yeah, quarterback yeah, is? Sure Trubisky. Trubisky. I know, but I mean... At least to start. We'll yeah, see that's what happens. I mean. I mean, that that's... It, What's the morning show in Pittsburgh, Mark? I don't know. Harrisburg, Heinz, something, something. Paul, Steel City Radio. Paul and Frank. That's my guess, right? But the, I guarantee Paul they've been talking. They're taking calls every day about, you know, is, is it time to hand it over to Pickett? You know. mm-hmm. Is the Nashville radios, are they going there with Malik Willis yet? Probably. 93.7, the fan. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, they're only .2 away from us. Oh, this is the one that we you, you got scared because we did this before. No, we can't they, be scared. They have a they they have a show called you know if it's the 90, fan morning show, but mm-hmm. then they have another show called the fan early morning show. Oh, we're on for like sh- six sh- hours. Sh- 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 yeah, they started like five in the morning. Sh- no, you, you now you brought me down this road. The interesting thing about ninety three seven the fan. I don't know if you know this or not, but you get out to post road, it bleeds over, and you hear that as, as opposed to us. The, er, the fan early morning show starts at five a.m. goes to five forty five. Then the fan morning show goes five forty five to ten. Now, I've Can you been, imagine? I, I've seen that hour a whole lot here in the last couple of weeks. I feel like we could make that work. Five to ten. Let's do it. 
Boy, you're staring daggers at me. An incredulous look from Jake Quarry. It's uh, morning checkdown time here on Kevin Quarry. The morning checkdown. Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. You guys are trying to you're trying to push me out, aren't you? What are you talking about? You're up, all, you're up at that hour anyway, usually. Come in and, you know, talk a little bit. No real easy transition hey. to this one. Uh, late last night, the Boston Celtics um, reports coming out that Ime Yudoka, their head coach, could be facing a rather long suspension on that front. I want to make sure I've got the wording right on this. Um, in violation of the franchise's code of conduct after having an improper, intimate, and consensual relationship with a female staff member. Um, so w- awaiting kind of confirmation slash punishment on that front. Uh, Jake, obviously handful of days before the start of the season you think about brad stevens role and maybe being a decision maker on what this probably is more of an ownership decision frankly but if brad would then become the interim head coach uh wow this is uh some big news for a team that i think a lot of people has pegged as the eastern conference it's, favorite it's fascinating to me because as i'd mentioned earlier i don't i mean I don't know their code of conduct. I don't know their, their rule book, et cetera. And I certainly understand that every person in a workplace should be allowed to to go in and do their job and execute their job without the pressures or the the murkiness that comes with a romantic relationship. But if it was consensual, you know, I don't know what happens at that point. Does it mean that they broke up and then the female employee said, look, I'm not comfortable with him being around or vice versa? You know, I have no idea. But if it was consensual... Yes, I would assume that, and I get it. I understand why businesses would, businesses would rather that not happen. But as I mentioned earlier, what percent of people, and I don't know, I mean, I don't know if these two were both married to other people. I have no idea. Yeah, we are vague on details. Right. But, but if it simply was that they are both single individuals who met in the workplace and developed a romantic relationship, he should have been smarter or she should have been smarter or whatever if that's in the guidebook but i i guarantee you there's gotta there are be a lot more of, right yeah because there are a lot of people that you talk to them is like how'd you meet your spouse well we work together you know what i mean i mean he is slash was engaged to nia along the actress so us. and fresh prince right um would be probably one of so now he looks like will smith in that roles. one famous scene right where he's standing looking around <laughs> wondering what happened it's a very right? popular gif i feel like it is <laughs> Um, Major League Baseball last night, I thought, honestly, the coolest moment was Joey Votto just walking around Great American Ballpark, hanging out with the fans. Plenty of great seats available. Well, yes, there are plenty of great seats available there. Um, The Reds did get a win last night. They beat the Red Sox. Uh, But, yeah, really cool for Votto. Just kind of taking some things in, interacting with fans, selfies, pictures, you know, sitting in random sections. That'd be kind of cool if more players did that. Like, if you're injured or just, you know, what else are you doing? Without a doubt. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. White Sox is the Guardians, 8-2. Tigers is the Orioles, 8-1. Cubs over the Marlins. Nice little comeback victory for the Cubs. Cardinals did lose the Padres, 1-0. You mentioned the Cardinals. You mentioned Pujols breaking up the no-hitter, right? No no home run for him yesterday. And Judge was what? Was it a ground rule double? Judge did not hit a home run. Yeah, and Aaron Judge, though, the 60th home run that he hit, you saw the kid that that well, caught it. That was a melee for it. Just the kid that caught it handed it back to him. I don't want anything. Give me a sign ball. What? You get a hundred grand for that, man. Kudos to that kid. 
The Roger Maris one will be an idiot. 62, can you imagine? Yeah, that'll yeah. be a heavy fight for that one. Colts practice number two of the week is today. The first injury report, I think pretty good. Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, uh, back to work. Bernard Ryman was the lone Colt who did not practice yesterday. That's a big injury, though, Kev. Yeah, again, Ryman's been rotating in with Matt Pryor, so you would potentially lose your sixth offensive lineman with that. Um, here was Matt Ryan yesterday on the inconsistencies to start the season. There are positives in there. You know, there, there are good plays, you know, across the board to be made. I think more so than anything, we've got to consistently do it, you know, play in, play out, you know, drive in, drive out, quarter, you know, quarter to quarter and uh, ultimately game to game. And I just think we've been inconsistent. And so um, I think you just, you know, you, you continue to focus on, on doing your job, you know, the best you can and, and owning that, you know, owning uh, your responsibility on each play. I, I think we've been inconsistent. Really? <laughs> okay. That's... Has Matt Ryan looked old to you? Yes. Like, you mean you mean on field or physically speaking? Uh, with his play. I felt like I watched a million plays on Sunday where his passes were behind or low to wide receivers. I, let me tell you something. Did you just mention the elephant in the room, Kevin? Did you just mention what people in the city of Indianapolis are walking around looking over their shoulder wondering if they're the only one thinking it? We can further elaborate on that on the other side. Kevin Aquari, 93.5-1075, The Fan. Jake, I'm not sure if there's a um, like a fan critique I hear more around football than play calling. I think it's like the most popular thing that fans like to critique. I'm a huge Notre Dame fan, and I feel like their fan base currently is complains more about Tommy Reese than they do Marcus Freeman, Tommy Reese being their offensive coordinator and their play caller. Um, and I think the Colts conversation every Monday, it almost starts with Frank Reich as a play caller before anything else. I don't disagree. And that's probably fair at this point. And again, I want to emphasize it's two weeks. But I mean, this dates back to last year. I, I, I get it. In you know, previous years. But what I'm about to say, I'm saying it's two weeks. But is Frank Reich, and this is this is on them. This is my problem with the Colts right now. L- look tonight. Tonight's Thursday night matchup. Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh knew that Ben Roethlisberger was at the end. And I can't remember if they if they traded up to get Kenny Pickett, but like when he was on the board, they got him. And it looks like, you know, it, he may be a total bust. Who knows? But my point being, they've got a guy on the roster that they have some idea who their quarterback is going to be in two or three years, assuming it works out. Cleveland. Cleveland was kind of stuck in the, you know, the Baker Mayfield. They just realized maybe they kind of hit the ceiling with them and things just weren't going where they wanted and they needed a change. And now you can certainly, I understand the polarization of this, but they said Deshaun Watson's our guy and they paid a King's ransom to get him. And they may, you know, and we'll see what happens with that. But my point being, aside of what you think of the player, in both cases, they targeted a guy, they went out and they made it happen and they got him. And they feel like they know who their quarterback's going to be in three to five years. Tennessee, 
Ryan Tannehill starting to show a little bit of rust. Hey, what's that squeaking from the brakes? Hadn't noticed that before. Well, it's got 110,000 miles on it. They went out. They saw a guy. We don't know whether or not he is the guy, but for now they said we need to go ahead and be aggressive and get our guy for the future. And assuming that he pans out, big assume, I know, big assumption, they have their guy at quarterback moving forward. The Colts have opted for this. We'll just, like, keep piecemealing it and just keep putting duct tape on stuff and keep putting duct tape on it. And, and you know, Phillip Rivers and then Carson Wentz, and that didn't work out. Maybe Carson Wentz was more they thought was a long-term guy. And now Matt Ryan, who somebody asked me. I was on with Rob Kendall to talk about the Colts a couple of weeks ago, and the question was asked, is Matt Ryan a more than one-year guy? And I said, absolutely. He's probably a two-year guy at minimum. Well, that's what they thought. And I'm not saying that he's Kerry Collins, but so far, Matt Ryan, a sub-64 passer rating, passes kind of errant and looking frazzled. But part of that, though, Kevin, to your point, which is it? Chicken and egg question here. Is it that Matt Ryan got old overnight and now all of a sudden we have the quarterback version of the Andre Johnson experiment? Or are they not play calling and protecting to exp- to take advantage of what Matt Ryan brings to the table? Yeah, I guess one thing before I get into kind of right as a play caller, to that point, Jake, you look at the 16 teams in the AFC. Colts and Texans? The only two that feel like they don't have their franchise quarterback? For the next, you know, three to five years. All those teams in the AFC West, they feel good about it. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville, potentially Malik Willis in Tennessee. Again, that's that's a little bit of a risk. Um, the teams in the AFC East, all four of them, you know, assuming that Zach Wilson is the guy with the Jets. And then the North, you know, again, we'll see what happens Trubisky picket-wise, uh, but obviously Watson, Burrow, and Lamar Jackson. It's crazy to look at a 16-team conference and think that, you know, Maybe saying 14 of them feel good. Maybe it's more like 11 or 12. But 14 of them at least have some guy. Um, as far as Reich as a play caller, you know, I went back and looked this up, Jake. Points scored. So where the Colts have ranked under Frank Reich in points scored per game. 2018, fifth. That'd be Andrew Luck as quarterback. 2019, 16th. Jacoby Brissett. 2020, Phillip Rivers, ninth. 2021, Carson Wentz, ninth. Does Ballard slash Reich deserve some of the blame for the rotation of four different quarterbacks in those four years? Totally. Without question. But the fact that you have had four different quarterbacks in those four years and you finished fifth 16th, 9th, and 9th in scoring, that to me indicates you've got an above-average play caller That's fair in the NFL. You've done that with, I would say, less than average talent at wide receiver and tight end during that time. Like, if you were to stop... You always play this game, Jake, about stopping a fan on the side of the street. If you would have stopped a fan on the side of the street in 2018 and said, hey, season ticket member for the Colts, you're about to go through a five-year period of five different quarterbacks. Your best pass catcher during that time will be an aging T.Y. Hilton and an aging Jack Doyle and, I guess, a very young Michael Pittman. And yet, your team is going to finish, if you average out those years, you know, ninth or tenth in the league in scoring over that time. That fan probably takes it. 
again, considering the quarterback turnover, considering the lack of weapons. So I just feel like we, you know, play calling, I think is difficult. I think there's an art to it. You know, you're trying to set things up in the first quarter that you want to come back to in the third or fourth quarter. Obviously the defense is playing their own game of chess. And as I said earlier, the usage of Hines, the lack of usage of Hines on Sunday, a total, total indefensible move by Reich. But I think for the most part, his play calling is above average. It's more of the CEO head coaching responsibilities in getting your entire operation ready week in and week out, overseeing the entire football team, canceling practice on a Friday last week that was predetermined on a Tuesday, um, continuing to start off slow. The Colts haven't won a game in the month of September, Jake, since 2020. Go back to 2020 season for them to win a game in September. Those are more of my issues with Reich, less to do with just his play calling. I'm telling you, I'm going I'm to keep banging this drum. I do think they're going to win Sunday. I also think that if they don't, and if they get blown out of the building, then you have to say, okay, if they don't play for Frank Reich Sunday, when are they going to do it? Right? Well, what if they play for him they just can't keep up? What if they lose by 20? Yeah, you know what like, I'm oh, saying, though. strong effort, but they still yeah, I mean, the Chiefs. They, then that's probably on Ballard, right? But mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, though. If they go out and you're just like, well, if they look like they did it, it's just totally incompetent. You know what I mean? Jay says, compare, Jay says, compare the red zone numbers efficiency to their total scoring. I mean, you got to get to the red zone. I would guess the red zone numbers are not. What about the, what's it called in the now? Top the top 10? The low red zone? Is it? Am I saying that right? Uh, you sound like you're ready to be on like the Ringer podcast. The, or... Is it the deep red zone or the low red zone? Oh, he's diving deep into pro football focus. Isn't one of them terms? The other I day. think it's high red zone or low red zone. I think those okay. are the two. Okay. You have and, an opinion on that part of the field? Yeah, the low red zone. That's a isn't that's a body wash from Old Spice, right? You know what I mean? Now is with it... charcoal. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? The charcoal, like they have the charcoal, like body wash. You brush your teeth with charcoal. I have. I'm a big Irish Spring body washer. Yeah, Irish Spring's good. Are you a Are you a bar soap or or oh, uh, body wash for sure? Liquid all day. Really? Yeah. Never like the soap. No, I'm breaking the bar, dropping the bar. Not good. I have an issue where I, I'm I'm a I go like five like bar soap, liquid, back to bar, shampoo, conditioner. Like it's a whole process. I mean, it, it's hard to look this good and smell this good all the time. Oh, but geez. it's but I I do what I can. No, bar of soap, no thank you. Just big no thanks. Okay, George, you got some thoughts on Frank Reich as a play caller? Hey, good morning, fellas. Morning. George, are you morning, a, are you a bar are you? soap or liquid soap guy, George? Oh, absolutely a bar soap guy still. <laughs> yeah. George, uh, George sounds like a guy I want carrying the ball on third and one. George, you drink PBR, don't you? Uh, back in the day, back in the day, sure, <laughs> sure. But now I, divers- I, I diversify my diet a bit more. So, uh, <laughs> little, little, little hard liquor here, a little PBR, a little, you know, a little bit of everything. I'm I hoping. like that. George, am I an yeah. idiot for thinking Frank Reich's a decent play caller? Yeah, you're not an idiot just for that, Kevin, but no, I'm joking. <laughs> I, I I would say, no, I, I think he is a good play caller. I think he is an above-average play caller. I also don't think he's one of the best play callers. Think, think of, like, we've had lots of opportunities specifically in the red zone inside the 5- or 10-yard line where we haven't capitalized. Not only have we not capitalized, but the play calls have been atrocious. Yeah. So 
A little I, bit I too cute say, in that area? Excuse me? A little bit too cute in that area? Yeah, a little bit too cute. Back to comments earlier in the week, like he really outthinks himself sometimes, yeah. I think. Last thing I'm going to say is, listen to him the other day talk about uh, the, the, the audio clip you played about Hines and not getting Hines the ball more. If you listen to him, I don't even think he believes himself anymore. Well, I couldn't get Hines the ball anymore because we're focused on getting JT the ball. Well, in the middle of the third quarter, JT had the ball five times. If I don't think Frank believes himself. I think the fan base has lost confidence. And most importantly, I think the players have lost confidence in Frank. Could we beat KC this week? Like, we might. The Vegas number indicates the Colts are going to make this a ball game. But regardless, it's the same thing this year that it's been the last two years. We're playing from behind. We're playing catch-up. It's a bigger trend. And, it, you know, it, it, you know, keep, keep up the same thing. We want, if we want the same result, keep up the same thing. And that's really kind of what we've been able to this point. George, a lot of great points in there. Thank you. I, George, I, I want to watch a game with George. Can we get together and watch a game, George, sometime? Let's do it, bro. I'll get some PBR out just like <laughs> I'm serious, man. The hard liquor and PBR will be sitting there ready for us, if right? If you George? have my number, George, you text me and I will watch the game with you over maybe not this one, but some game this year, you and I will watch it over I know where there's you, PBR on draft. You you'll you'll love it. We'll make sure you don't have a test the next day though. <laughs> Hell yeah. You guys can debate bar soap. George, send me a text. Fitch goes, Kevin, yeah, that is an idiotic thought and statement. Goal line toss to Taylor at Buffalo in the playoffs. Wildcat on the goal line this year. Putting Andrew Luck out at wide receiver and having Jacoby throw the ball 10 feet over his head. Yes, Frank is an idiot. You know what? Here's the thing. There's a gold standard of play calling in this town, Kevin, and it's hard to live up to. It's hard, hard, hard to live up to, admittedly, right? But what they need more of, what they truly need more of is – Griff Whalen taking snaps on punt plays, right? <laughs> Colt Anderson Colt to Anderson, Griff Whalen, baby. Colt Anderson down there. Mm-hmm. You, you flank McAfee out wide right. That's the gold standard. You talk that's about the, getting cute, right? That's the greatest play in the history of the National Football right. League. It is. Honestly, it should be in Canton. I'm not sure why there's not a wing in Canton to that play. I I get it. Uh, there is a lot of criticism, rightfully so. And to George's point, and Fitch said it a little bit more um, eloquently, uh, yeah, there are clear issues, and inside the red zone you have problems, but what's the response to 5th in scoring, 16th in scoring, ninth in scoring, ninth in scoring with four different quarterbacks? Frank Wright didn't do anything to help you out in those areas? I still think, man, you raise a good point of does Matt Ryan suddenly look old? We'll continue the conversation coming up next here. Kevin and Corey. Uh, hey, Jake. This from Michael. George was an awesome caller. I'd like to be at whatever site you all watch the game. <laughs> Sounds like a smart fan, and I'll enjoy some PBR. P.S. I'm a body wash loofah guy. I don't really do the loofah. I tried the loofah once. wasn't wasn't a fan. I stayed at a hotel in New York that had the the, the hotel room had a, a wrapper, and I'm like, "What is this?" And, I, and it was like an like a loofah that like a glove loofah. You know what I mean? Like you put like, your hand through it. And, yeah. Well, that's awkward. Yeah. How do you get your back with a loofah? What's that? How do you get to your How back? How do you get your back regularly? Well, the washcloth, you just whip it, go like that, double arm it. How long a washcloth are you using? A regular one? What do you mean? The regulation size. Like this, like, like, uh, what was that? That's the size of your washcloth? 
I, yeah. what, whoa. What do you like? What, a, what, a washcloth is typically uh, like a, lots a square. Of lengths that you're showing no, me. No, a washcloth is typically a square. Yeah. Right? So you're you're able to. I mean, I don't know how flexible you are that you're able oh. to get halfway down your back with like that small of a washcloth. Well, the washcloth you just showed me was like a Tide Pod That's, size. A washcloth's like this size right here. I'm looking. Uh, do we have the camera up? Do we know if the camera? Yeah. Yeah, I would argue even a little smaller than that. Yeah. So like, I mean, okay. Well, stretch it out. It's yeah, Jake. You got linen. a wingspan. Well, I'm, what do you guys think I am? Like the guy from That's Incredible that's living in glass boxes? How old of a reference was that? <laughs> Are you Inspector Gadget? Are you Gumby? <laughs> I do like Gumby. I'm Gumby, dumb it. <laughs> Who doesn't like Gumby? Jonathan, Colts wideouts. Pokey was cool, too. <laughs> Colts wideouts are getting open, are they? <laughs> no, sir, they're not. Um, do you want to take a guess who's getting the most open out of all the targets? Ashton Doolin. Uh, is it Kylan Granson? It is. He's the only one with over two yards of average separation on any given play, and it's ridiculous. Yeah, and it's, he's, it's been pretty he's pathetic. He's a hybrid build. Yes, and Carson Wentz dealt with the same thing. He's at 66% now with Washington. His completion percentage was in 62-something. In but it's not a Matt Ryan problem. It's not a Frank Reich problem. It's just seeing, do I want to throw incompletions or interceptions if, if you're Matt Ryan? And I don't think it, uh, the play calling lacks creativity. It's just you don't have enough athletes and weapons. And I've been seeing Ballard as the Colts' main problem for years. Yeah, Jonathan, thank you for that call right there, Jake. Personnel, Matt Ryan, Frank Reich. Three separate issues. You could call them issues if you wanted to. I agree, Jonathan. Personnel first for me. It is wide receiver, tight end personnel. It's hard to argue that. We brought up who Carson Wentz was throwing the ball to on Monday now in Washington. It's a far better group right. than what he's got here. Hell, think about who Carson Wentz threw the ball to last year here. Hilton, Pascal, Doyle, not acting like any of those guys were in their prime years and right. number one targets, but they're better than what Matt Ryan's working with right now. I wonder what Chris Ballard thinks if he's driving in. It'd be kind of late in the morning, right, to get in? It definitely made me think. And, I mean, Bowen, every time I freaking read or listen to Bowen, it's like a constant freaking barrage of, of, of uh, wideouts. <laughs> I have not heard from Chris lately. Well, I take that back. He did text me um, when Max was born. And Ursay's rolling in this morning. This one for Mr. Gilmore. <laughs> did he distribute those, those desserts yet? What I, were those desserts? I don't know. They, they looked awful. It looked like a pistachio. Like I, The last thing I want is fancy desserts. The last thing I want is, I have a theory. I give me a warm that chocolate I'm chip you cookie right now. and call it a day. I have long had a theory that you could open a restaurant right now. We could get a small space over either near the garage or on Mass Ave, and we could, as long as we had rectangular, nice white china plates, we could slab down three squares of Sheba cat food with a drizzle of Hershey's chocolate syrup over it and tell people it's a rare exotic pate, and there's 22% of the population would go, oh, it's amazing. Mr. Gilmore. <laughs> they would say, actually, if I said... Here are the three entrees, and one of these is for your defensive backs, Mr. Ursay, he would then say. This one for Mr. Gilmore. <laughs> you know, for as good as I thought Gilmore was in week one, man, last week, Evan Ingram, whew, he owned him on third down. Uh, you say Lewis, Mark? Yeah, Lewis. Lewis, you want to talk a little quarterback? Oh, uh, yeah, I just want to uh, just see that Ballard has totally checked out when it comes to quarterback and receiver. He, I don't think he values those players. And the thing is, I don't understand why he doesn't. Is because he was there when they drafted him a home. I know. Or maybe he, maybe he was just the guy that was like, you know what? I'll take care of the O line and D line and 
draft those guys and evaluate those guys because I heard him say on the air that if I do draft a quarterback and he's no good, I'm going to get it from you guys anyway. You can't have that mentality as a GM. Yeah, you it's a try. It, it, I couldn't agree more with that, Lewis. I think you're spot on. There's a hesitancy. A scared might be too harsh for a word. I think I'd like Lewis to come to my beer party with George. <laughs> Can we get Lewis? You want to come too? He's already gone. I think Lewis will be there. Um, yeah, there's a hesitancy. There is a um, uh, afraid of the repercussions. You you might say that. And when you go band aid, you're going to run into some risks, and the Colts have ran into it. So yeah, I could I could not agree more with that. If you look at any of these teams right now, it's especially the two best teams. I mean. I guess Miami's currently undefeated, but you know Buffalo and Kansas City are the class of the AFC, both of them. And I, I've mentioned this before. Someone asked me the other week, you know, Kevin, can you expand on your quarterback theory? Like, are you advocating for a tank? When Andrew Luck retired, Jake, and Jacoby Brissett was a quarterback, and you went seven to nine in that 2019 season, you sat there the next draft at 13 overall in the draft. When Kansas City drafted Patrick Mahomes, I believe they started that draft, I think, at 27 overall. When Buffalo drafted Josh Allen, I think they started that draft at 12 overall. Right. So at 13 overall, you're in a posi- you're in the top half of round one. He was taking four spots ahead of Josh Allen, right? Darnold. Quentin Nelson. But they had Andrew Luck. One spot. It. Was it only one? Nelson went six and Allen went seven. Oh, that's right. They felt they so, dropped they they slid out of three. That's Buffalo right. Buffalo traded right. up. To get Allen, you had the Jets trade. Yeah, the Colts traded back from three to six. The Jets traded up. But what I'm getting at at 13 overall is in that draft, and I think Mark mentioned this yesterday, how great that draft was. Joe Burrow goes one, but you've got Tua going five and Justin Herbert going six. So that first offseason after Luck retires, you're eight picks away, seven picks away from where Tua and Herbert went. That is your time as a franchise to say, us drafting 13 overall is not where we want to be, and we don't think we're going to be there in the future, but we're here now. So it's an opportunity as a franchise to not mortgage the entire future of a draft pick, but to trade up in that situation. Yes, you wouldn't have gotten to Forrest Buckner, but if you could have gotten, and I get it, Tua, we're just two games into and it, as so you mentioned probably with too Tua, unfair. But Kevin, as you mentioned with Tua, there was still a lot of question mark about Tua, and so... What did they do? They went out and got him weapons and said, okay. Yep. You know, and, and now all of a sudden it's like, holy cow, you know, Tonga Valoa for 450 yards and yeah. six touchdowns. Kudos to Miami. And you know what? Buffalo did it, Jake, early in the Josh Allen tenure and going and getting Stephon Diggs. Correct. A huge trade. And he that has been a, He's been a marriage stud. made in heaven, right? Absolute stud. Uh, Zach Kiefer joins us here in about five minutes. Impossible for me to hear this song and not think of what event Mark Dykton in pop culture? David Letterman's last show. Correct. This closed David Letterman's last show. With a he montage. and I have something in common. Favorite song. What's that? I said he, David, David gotcha. Letterman, and I have. I thought you said it is a good song for oh, sure. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, nine o'clock hour here in Indianapolis. It's nine o'clock hour everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. This is Kevin and Quarry. My name is Jake Quarry. Kevin Bowen, the other voice you hear, Mark Dykton, whose voice you just heard on 93.5107.5. The fan joining us now in the Payless Liquors guest line, which I think that he willingly does each week, although at times probably reluctantly, is Zach Kiefer, the noted writer from The Athletic, to discuss the Colts. 
Zach, oftentimes when we have you on, I will bring to you kind of the theme of the show that day and then get your opinion on it. I'll do it again here. I had said earlier today, I do think the Colts will play well on Sunday against the Chiefs, but with everything at stake considering where things have started and how big this game is based on just the overall cachet of the opponent, if they don't show up on Sunday, and I'm not saying they have to win, but if they come out flat on Sunday and sleepwalk, sleepwalk their way through, then my thought is if they don't do it on Sunday for Frank Reich, it's never going to happen. Then he has lost the team. That's what it means to me, that he has lost the team and that there's no coming back. Am I being too critical? No, I don't think you are. I think Jacksonville was that bad. It was that bad. And I think if they do that on Sunday in front of their home crowd, and remember, the home opener is very important to Jim Irsay. It's very important to Jim Irsay and how his team plays. And I think a lot of him and a lot of people around here thought, hey, we're going to be 2-0, and rolling into the week three home opener against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. If they come out and play like they did against Jacksonville on Sunday, and I was talking to Julian Blackman yesterday, and he said, look, if, we, if we're not ready, they're going to put up 50 on us. And he's right. They will get booed off their home field. And I, I think you're right, Jake, that – you know, that's, that's the telltale sign with the coach. Is, are these guys still playing for this guy? I think they're going to play well. I think they're going to play hard. I'm not predicting a win. But that's the problem. If it turns into they're not even playing, that's when you know this has shifted into something completely different. Zach, um, you were a man on a mission in the locker room yesterday, and I want to get into your latest article up on The Athletic here in just a second. But I want to begin with Frank Reich's press conference. I didn't get a chance to talk with you about this yesterday. I was talking to some of our other colleagues and even a few people within the Colts. I thought the words that Frank Reich said in yesterday's press conference were pretty similar. Not, you know, he didn't sound like Jim Mora by any means um, in changing his words. But I did think his body language and demeanor was a little un-Frank Reich-like. And for anyone that will have wa- will watch the press conference, you are not going to be blown away by it. But for Frank Reich's typically subdued nature, I felt like I listened to a guy that was talking a little louder, a little quicker, a few more gestures, and maybe I'm being too therapist with it, but I just felt like his body language was a little bit different than he normally is, which is very subdued, particularly at those Wednesday pressers. I wrote that it was as impassioned as he's been. And, and that's, you know, that's maybe a stretch considering like he's not yelling into the microphone like you see with some coaches. And, and that's never going to be Frank's style. But he was as impassioned as he's been in several years. Yeah, same. I felt like he was defending his coaching approach, his coaching style, and his, his technique as a coach because all of that's come into question. All of that has been challenged in the last several weeks with the way they've played. And, the deficits they've been behind and the decisions they made and the play calls he made. And going back to Jake's original point, whether these guys are playing right now, but um, yeah, my takeaway was they're feeling the heat. They're feeling the heat a little bit and maybe they should. And then your latest, um, you did go around the locker room. You talked to a ton of guys, just the general vibe you got um, from whether it was Julian Blackman to Quentin Nelson to uh, whoever else you're able to talk, talk with. Yeah, I basically threw out this question. What the hell is wrong? And some guys didn't love the question, but, you know, part of their job is to answer it. And two things really jumped out to me beyond just, like, the normal football effort BS, right? Like, let's move on from the cliches. 
One, the offensive line has been trash. This, this team's going nowhere until that unit starts to play well. I asked Quentin Nelson, he said, look, it's on us. We're not doing our job. Uh, Kelly hasn't been good. Nelson hasn't been good. Pryor's a liability at left tackle. I'm not telling the listeners anything they don't know. Danny Pinter's not playing well either. Braden Smith, I could just go on and on. But you have a 37-year-old quarterback who, who's not supposed to be able to move in the pocket. And this is removing the wide receiver problem, which I could go on for 10 minutes. But nothing this unit does. I mean, like JT, like he's he's a forgotten man if the, if the line doesn't block. So I think everybody knows that nothing's going to happen on offense until the line starts to play like it should. And then moving to the defense, and this was a little surprising because I thought the defense had a good camp. Like, I re- they really shut down the offense a lot of days. Like, that's what I saw in camp. There is a disconnect on this defense right now. They are not on the same page. They are not comfortable yet in Gus Bradley's scheme. And anybody out there watching the tape can see it. Like Julian Blackman said, on every play, 10 or 11, 10 of us are doing the right thing. But there's always one guy doing the wrong thing. It's not always the same guy. But, you know, they're not winning up front with the front four, and you got to do that. And they're they're just missing their gaps in the back end. They're just they're just not comfortable in this scheme yet, and and that's a problem because of the quarterback that's coming in on Sunday. Zach answered this question uh, in multiple choice form. This year's Andre Johnson to the Colts is a Yannick Ngakwe, b Matt Ryan, c neither. So far, it's a. Have you seen anything from Ngakwe? Yeah, I mean it's been. And, and I mean, it's two weeks. You've done this a long time, Jake. It's two weeks. We might be laughing at ourselves in a Correct. month, but that dude was. I mean, I, I don't want to break it down into this term, but like he's a mercenary. He was hired to come in here to do one thing: to go get the quarterback. Not doing it. This defense isn't good enough to overcome a non-existent pass rush. And and, and Ryan was terrible on Sunday too. You know, it, it's funny to me, Zach, because. And I'm going to pick on Chris Ballard. I, I I promise you this is not like some sort of a, you know, I'm not trying to just constantly bag on the guy. But when when the wide receiver or the, the you know, offensive options question came up to Chris Ballard so much, it was almost like he would always divert it back to, yeah, but we got to get pass rush. I got to get in the trenches. I got to get pass rush. So if you don't have any receivers out there, if you got weekend at Bernie's playing three guys alongside Michael Pittman, that's fine so long as the ends justified the means and you go, yeah, but you know what? We got the two best lines on both sides of the ball in the NFL that we're watching here. Yeah. But that's not the case, right? So it's like – Don't have it. Right. Where the hell is the pass rush considering they, they went out literally and, and that's all that they seemingly have stockpiled for two years? Am I, am I, like, am I just out of my mind? Just Am I the old guy yelling at clouds here? <laughs> no, you're, you're speaking for a fan base that's frankly fed up. Right. I mean, how many times did I ask the, the wide receiver question in March, in April, in May after the draft, in August? Like, I, there's not a whole lot else I can do. I talked about it with JMV and enough to fill an entire show about the problems at wide receiver. But moving to the trenches, like you said, if you're going to be all about the trenches and, and then be all about the trench and get it right, because you're investing $42.2 million of your salary cap this season. That's the highest chunk of any offensive line in the NFL, and you're getting no return. I mean, they're they're not good. They're beyond. They're below mediocre right now. And the defensive line, outside of Cordy Pay's two sacks, have done nothing. Those two sacks late in Houston. So 
if you're going to be all about the lines, then be all about the lines. But this speaks to a bigger problem, Jake. When your best players, when your very best players are a left guard, a running back, and an off-ball linebacker, that's not the recipe that wins in today's league. And so when you have your best player being an offensive guard, that doesn't impact the game tangibly as much as a quarterback or a receiver. JT, as good as he is, is averaging 1.3 yards before contact. He's the best in the league at what he does. But if there's nowhere to go, it doesn't matter. Like, was JT a factor Sunday? He's the best player on the field and didn't really impact the game, and that's because of the position he plays. And then this is, this is nothing nobody doesn't know out there, but they need 53 back on defense in the worst way. They need him schematically. They need his fire. They need his takeaway ability. Like, I thought they would be fine against these two opponents without 53. I was completely wrong. They desperately need him back on the field Sunday. I'm not sold he's out there Sunday, Zach. Yeah, neither am I. We'll, we'll hear what he says today, but this is kind of weird how, how they talk like he's almost back and he's almost back and he's almost back. I go back to that Ballard. Every Friday. I go back to that Ballard comment. Zach, I apologize for interrupting. That Ballard comment saying that when he came off the pup list, this is basically the first day of spring for him. You know, I, I thought at the time, okay, is that really what he means? I mean, the first day of spring, well, if that's the case, then he is going to need like four or five weeks of ramp up. And here we are. This is week four of him back to practice. How long can they wait? I mean, no. I like the pitch count idea, they but they, I, I don't know. They don't. Away. Yeah. You surprised we haven't heard from Ursay yet? No, he's keeping it close to the vest. I mean, he's obviously very, very frustrated. But, um, you know, and, and, and I'll say this. It's week two. Like, I was asked earlier in the week if this is a must win, and I laughed because it's not. Like, I don't think they're going to win. They're playing the Chiefs. But also, it's this is a team that I've covered that's been 1-5 in five and, and made the second round of the playoffs and 1-4 in four last year, and then we're on the doorstep of the playoffs and then crumbled. The one thing I will say, and, and my former colleague Stephen Holder mentioned this yesterday, it takes a lot to get back from that. Like, it takes a lot to get to 10 wins when you start 1-4 and four or 1-5. And, and that emotional energy has caught up to them the last couple of years when they've done that. So, we'll see. But um, I think going back to the very first question Jake asked, all of this is going to be about how they look on Sunday. And every fan out there watching is going to be able to tell whether this team is playing or whether they're just lost and they're just not in this for Frank Reich. I think they're going to play hard. I really think they will, but I don't trust the defense. I don't trust the defense against this quarterback, and it could still get ugly even if they play hard. That's the problem right now. Zach Keeper's our guest. He's on the Payless Liggers guest line. He's with The Athletic. Zach, I've I've always been uncomfortable in situations, and you see this a lot in sports, where somebody gets elevated due to attrition – and so they kind of get taken outside of their role, or like you see it in television. The main anchor leaves, the weekend anchor fills in for three months. Then they hire right. a new anchor, and they go, okay, well, you're out of here. And it's like, well, don't I go back to being the weekend anchor? That's what I was designed to do in the first place. Well, no, we don't have a spot for you. It, is Bobby Okereke, who – I'm not saying he's not a fine player, but to your point, he is not Shaquille Leonard. And he is filled in, and you can see that things drop off. Once Shaquille Leonard comes back – is, does he kind of get wedged into an awkward spot at that point? 
I think he's the will. He's the will linebacker. Darius is get, Shaq's going to come back, and he's going to be the Mike, which is going to be a little bit different, but pretty similar to the last position he played under Flus, where he was the will, sort of the off-ball linebacker. They think him being around the ball at the Mike will be better. But, you know, I, I, I can't think of a single unit on the defense, a single level of the defense that's played well, and not to single Bobby Okereke out. But they just haven't – they just – there's just these unquantifiable things that Shaq does that show up on tape, that don't show up on the stat sheet, that just change the game, that just change the tenor of the game. And, you know, Leonard's even told us that there are certain ball carriers or pass catchers that have told him that they've changed their routes or done something different when they know he's around. And that's the sort of unquantifiable thing. Like a quarterback, when he's throwing at Stephon Gilmore versus when he's throwing at Brendan Faison, is going to think different, right? It's the same thing with Leonard in the middle. And, and we'll see. But I think O'Karica stays at the will. I think Zaire Franklin's the one that comes off the field. But the interesting thing with the linebackers is how much they've had to play three this season. They've never done this the last four years. They've only played two, you know, a huge chunk of the time because they would get Kenny Moore on as the nickel corner. But they need three to stop the run. They need three, they need three you know, to slow down the run because they haven't been able to do that as well. So, um, there's just, there's just, this defense just isn't right right now. Zach's latest taking the pulse of the Colts locker room yesterday following that embarrassment Sunday in Jacksonville. Zach, as always, thank you, man. Thanks, guys. Zach Kiefer right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. I will say something, you know, when I asked Zach the Ursay question, you surprised we haven't heard from him. Um, and Zach mentioned it's early in the season. I know this clip has turned into a funny clip and we're about to play it but this clip from Ursay came before the week two game in 2020 against the Minnesota Vikings the Colts had just lost in the opener a, a close game with Jacksonville certainly closer than it was on Sunday Philip Rivers you know in his first start and uh, here was Ursay in the weight room on West 56th Street loud and proud <laughs> you remember that one Jake Oh, yeah. About a 20-second clip of, I think he had the... Um, the belt, right? The weight belt yeah, yeah, on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, looked very fit. And he wanted the crowd, right, to be loud and proud at the home opener. So, back in 2020, he was totally content with firing one up before the Week 2 matchup. So, I don't know if I just label this as early in the season, Jim Irsay is being quiet. Well, now... Now what you get before a week two matchup is dessert talk, right? This one for Mr. Gilmore. <laughs> I just so people know. <laughs> just so people know. I'm laughing less at Jim Ursay's pronunciation of Gilmore and more at the, the smirk on Mark's face every time he plays that. Because every time player. I hear it, I, be like, I believe that's Mr. Gilmore. From Happy <laughs> that's Gilmore. exactly and what Every I think. time I hear it, I it's think It's like it that meeting British royalty. Totally. All chips in. You think we get an Ursae <laughs> video before Sunday? Well, there's no jet. That's the problem, right? But again, he went, Helicopter? He, he went to the weight room before the home opener a couple Fair. years ago. Fair. He could go, wasn't he on the Zamboni in his hockey rink a few weeks back? He was, yeah. He could go there. Good point. (laughs) I don't know. I guess we'll we'll have have to see. We'll have to wait and see, right? Adam Teicher from ESPN.com, who covers the Chiefs. We'll get their perspective on things coming up here in less than 10 minutes. Let's do a morning check down. 
The Morning Checkdown. Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'll begin with a little baseball. Indians yesterday winning 7-1 over the St. Paul Saints. Don't forget, they've got three home games left tonight, tomorrow night, and Saturday before the season comes to a completion in the International League for the Indianapolis Indians. Major League Baseball yesterday, Albert Pujols broke up a no-hitter with the Padres, but San Diego wins 1-0. He is still sitting on 698 home runs. Aaron Judge did not homer yesterday, but the Yankees uh, did win, if I'm not mistaken, 14-2, as a matter of fact, over Pittsburgh and elsewhere. It was cute fella 8-1 over Detroit. The Cubs 4-3 over the Marlins. Reds yesterday, winners 5-1 over Boston. Andrew would like a Mr. Gilmore sound as his ringtone for his phone. <laughs> he, he would like Mark Dykton to make that happen. This one for Mr. Gilmore. <laughs> Every time a text comes in, that's what you hear. Second practice of the week today for the Colts. First injury report yesterday, 52 of 53 guys practiced. Bernard Ryman being the lone one that did not. I think an ankle injury for Ryman. He was certainly limping uh, coming out to watch practice yesterday. So Matt Pryor will certainly stay at left tackle. Um Outside of that, Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, back to practice. Good news on that front, like we just discussed with Zach Kiefer. Shaquille Leonard did practice yesterday, but I don't think by any means it's slam dunk for him being in the lineup first 2022 debut on Sunday. Yesterday, Frank Reich talked about the belief that he continues to have with his football team. You know, each one of us, you know, what the discussion has been, hey, we got to keep doing what we're doing. We're two weeks into it. We believe in what we're doing. We believe in who we're doing it with. We each got to look within, find ways to get better. That collective effort to do that, you find in this league, this is what we experience. This is what we believe. This is what we will stay on, that we will get better and turn things around. Can, can we hear Ursay one more time with Stefan Gilmore? <laughs> this one for Mr. Gilmore. <laughs> Jake Dave asked, what percentage of fans in the stands on Sunday will be wearing red? Will it feel like it kind of feels like when Pittsburgh comes to town? 15%. 15%. I mean, I do think that Patrick Mahomes is like every little kid's favorite player, right? And, and you know what? Sadly for the Colts, if a kid is – what's the peak age where you like, Kevin, where kids like go to their first NFL game and, you know, 10 probably? Sure. You know, when you first are, are totally into it and whatever else, your peak fandom. I, the average 10-year-old kid in Indianapolis has no recollection of when Andrew Luck played here. So his favorite player, you know, I, I grew up a Steelers fan because we did not have an NFL team until I was in the sixth grade. And that was the team, the Steelers, is who I saw on TV all the time. So there are probably a lot of kids in Indianapolis, in the Indianapolis area, that their favorite quarterback is Patrick Mahomes because – they saw Philip Rivers for one year. They saw Jacoby Brissett for one year. They saw Carson Wentz for one year, uh, you know. And now they're nine years old, and like that's who, that's the guy that they've seen on every Thursday night football game. And I think to be fair, the Chiefs have a great fan base outside of totally. just Mahomes' individual fandom. You know, I mean, the Chiefs, a great fan base. You know, the Chiefs are responsible for the term Super Bowl, right? Did you know that? Was that Lamar Hunt? C- correct. Lamar Hunt's Related? daughter had a Super Bowl, that, a, a yeah, small rubber ball, and so he. He used that and parlayed it into Super Bowl. He's the one that coined that term. Because I remember that 2013 wild card game here, obviously the thrilling comeback by the Colts. There was a ton of red in the building for that one. 
And now I get that's a playoff game. I do and, think and that things. the Chiefs have. I mean, I, I've got a couple of buddies that live that from here in town that grew up and they were Chiefs fans. Some of them, if they were, my, you know, listen, I'm going a little bit older here, but I, I know a couple of people that are Chiefs fans because they loved Lenny Dawson because they they were Purdue fans, you know, that kind of thing. It's not entirely. And they, they, look, it's a, it's a cool franchise, right? And I've heard from, I would say, a decent amount of Colts fans that are like, oh, yeah, when the season tickets came out, we sat there and said, we, we will sell our Kansas City tickets and go to the rest of them. Yeah. And pretty much get close to coming out, you know, even on it. Um, and I think after watching the first two games, if you were on the fence about that, you might have sided with, let's put those up um, for sale. All right, Adam Teicher from ESPN.com, who covers the Chiefs. He joins us next here on Kevin Corey. Push the pop quiz about 10 minutes out. Adam Teicher, who covers the Chiefs for ESPN.com, is going to join us right here. Uh, Jake, this is from Derek. I'm torn on going to the game. I put my tickets up for sale at a very high price, so if they sell, then my pockets are fat. And then I'd go if they don't sell. I haven't been in two years, so I guess for now I'm going. You know, I feel like there's a decent amount of people that have kind of a similar line of thinking on that front. Again, Adam Teicher from ESPN.com is joining us now. Adam, I don't know how plugged in you are if you've heard from people, but do you expect a decent amount of Chiefs fans in the building? I mean, for the eastern part of the state, this is probably one of the few drivable games that uh, the Chiefs will have outside of obviously going to Arrowhead. Yeah, um, you know, Chiefs fans generally do these days travel pretty well. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know anybody personally who's going, but I do know that uh, – they had quite a few uh, – there was a lot of Chiefs fans in Phoenix uh, for the Arizona game a couple of weeks ago. So uh, I would expect there'd be a, a, a pretty good uh, showing for the Chiefs in terms of their fans on Sunday. You know, when you look historically speaking, we'll begin, Adam, uh, with Patrick Mahomes and that offense. You know, they have – Gus Bradley has seen them before. But when you look at, at the Chiefs, and I don't see them week to week, so I, I wanted your opinion on this. Do they make many adjustments, or are they at the point kind of like we saw with Peyton Manning's Colts of, look, we know we're good, we know what we do, try and stop us? Or do they schematically alter things based on the opponent week to week? Oh, yeah, they'll, they'll uh, adjust as, uh, you know, or try to adjust, let's put it that way, uh, you know, depending on who they're playing and the strengths and weaknesses and all that so um i can't tell you what they've got cooked up for the colts on sunday but uh yeah they'll they'll have uh you know at least they'll try to have something ready to go uh to uh uh, specifically for indianapolis he's adam teister from espn.com and he covers the chiefs he's with us here on the payless liquors hotline um what have you seen in the first two games adam about changes offensively without tyreek hill is it a little bit more of a methodical passing game approach i don't even know if that's the right word to use but um what if any changes have there been yeah not as big play excuse me not uh, not quite as explosive um at least you know small sample size through two games but they haven't been you know that kind of quick strike team um but still very efficient maybe more efficient uh so um, you know, you know, it is again a small sample size, but they've been, um, you know, not not as explosive, but um, you know, still able to to get the ball down the field and, and score some points. So uh, 
Um, you know, that's uh, you know, not a dramatic change right now, maybe, but um, I, be, I'm eager to see how it's, this is going to work over the course of a long season. What is Kansas City's weakness? If you are the Colts right now, you are looking at tape of what, saying this is the area that we have to exploit. Yeah, um, you know, defensively, they lost one of their better playmakers. Uh, Willie Gay, one of their linebackers, was suspended for four games this week. He was a guy that was all over the field. He was uh, a real problem, a real handful for opponents in the first couple games because of his range. I mean, he he really uh, 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 covered some ground and was, uh, you know, kind of a, a the, the bigger the, one of the biggest playmakers they had. And now he's gone. So now they're uh, going to Darius Harris, who's been mostly a special teams guy. I think there's probably something to attack there if you're the Colts. Now that's one area you're looking at. Uh, they play play a lot of young guys in the secondary. Um, uh, you know that's another area that maybe you want to look at to see if you can maybe confuse them uh, and and get a big play or two that away. Uh, you know when the uh, Chiefs have the ball, you know their their running game has been it, it, it just not very consistent. And you look at the raw numbers and you say, well, it's not too bad, but. Last week against the Chargers, uh, you know they, they ripped off a 50-yard run, and other than that, it really wasn't much of a factor. So, uh, um, you know, there's the Chiefs can struggle at times running the ball as well. Their short yardage uh, game has been uh, on offense has been uh, pretty bad. At least it was against the Chargers last week. I think they were one of five uh, on on third and short. So. Uh, uh, you know that that's an area they need to get cleaned up, and maybe the Colts can uh, you know take advantage there. So you know there's certainly some things to pick on. Adam Teicher's our guest. He's on the Payless Liquors guest line. He covers the Chiefs for ESPN.com. Adam, sometimes I like to play word association. You know, like we did when you were a kid, and you learn different words, and then you have to say the first thing that comes to mind. I'm curious from your standpoint as somebody who covers the NFL but is not in this market. When I say Right now, in 2022, the franchise Indianapolis Colts, the two, let's say two, the two teams within the AFC that you think of in that same category in terms of their level of competitiveness and the tier they're on is who? So you, you want me to put the Colts on a level with another team? Correct. From your perspective. Like, yeah. like for me, Kansas City, I would say, okay, you know, Buffalo, and, you know, that's probably it, right? Maybe the Chargers. But for the Colts, you think of them in the same breath as who? Well, I, I, two weeks ago, I would have, you know, obviously, I would have had a different um, – uh, answer for you than I do right now, and I'm just wondering whether R- Matt Ryan is washed or whether he's just doing the new quarterback struggles thing and he's going to get this thing figured out. I mean, I, I know just from talking to the Chiefs, they're a little bit wary of this game because they know the Colts are better than the way they played the last two weeks, and uh, you know they're, they're, they're going to be their home opener. They're, they're going to be an angry team. They're expecting a pretty good effort from the Colts, so that's not really an answer to your question. But I, I put them on the second level behind, you know, certainly the Chiefs, uh, Buffalo. Um, you know, I'm even going to throw the Chargers there. I still think the Chargers have a lot going for them. Ooh, um, I agree. I think I think the Chargers are really good. They're, they're talented, but there's some things holding them back. I mean, they're, they're, that coaching staff, I'm not sure, is right for what they want to do there. So we'll see. Maybe I'll get proved wrong. But uh, uh, certainly a lot of talent there, though. And, and, you know, I'll even still throw the Bengals and the Dolphins there. So whatever level that, that second level is in the AFC, you know, with Baltimore um, – 
you know, um, Cincinnati and Miami, maybe. I'll put the other three on the top level, Chiefs, you know, Chargers, and, and Bills. And then the, I'll, th- I'll throw the Colts in with uh, the uh, the other three teams maybe on that second level. It's funny, Adam, isn't it? Because the AFC's got a huge middle class. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's, there's definitely yeah. an upper class, but there's a huge middle class in the caste system of the AFC. Yeah. I'd agree, and and right now it's hard figuring um, um, going through the teams right now. Who, who's bad, right? I mean, I know the Colts have played badly the first two weeks. Um, you know, I guess Houston's down there, but other than that, um, you know, who's really who's the lower class right now? You know, it's going to be uh, interesting to see how this thing sorts itself out. Yeah, it's easily the deepest I've seen the conference in quite some time. Um, Adam, just a couple more here. You know, for Chiefs fans, they probably don't want to remember this game, but Colts fans remember it very well and that would be the 2019 game at Arrowhead Sunday night football uh the Colts carried it 45 times in that game had the ball for more than 15 minutes they beat Kansas City I think it was the fewest points scored at home in the Mahomes era when he started he was a little bit banged up to be fair in that game but what I'm getting at with that is again they carried it 45 times well that was without Jonathan Taylor Marlon Mack was the bell cow back then now they've got Jonathan Taylor is that part of what strikes a little bit of fear or a little bit of doubt into whether it is Chiefs fans or Chiefs coaches and that hey this is a team that at least on paper has got part of the blueprint and that Taylor can play a ball control type game yeah, yeah, you know that that's uh, certainly um, you know that does have the Chiefs' attention, but a lot of differences between now and without a doubt uh, 2019, and and you know the Chiefs have not been very good against the run the last several years. This team uh, so far has been pretty good. Um, they're allowing less than four yards a carry. That's almost a yard uh, less than they allowed last year. Um, and and you know, part of the deal with the Chiefs and the run defense is they're getting, you know, again, this was before they lost Willie Gay, but they were uh, getting better linebacker in play through the first two games than they had in quite some time. Uh, their, their two main linebackers, Nick Bolton and Willie Gay, were really, are really playing well. Now, Gay is out on Sunday, so we'll see that whether, again, that's something that the Colts can pick on. The other thing is the Chiefs have a lot more speed on defense now than they've had. They have some guys who can really move and uh, um, I think that's helping them out on their run defense as well. So, uh, uh, But that's not to say the Colts can't have some success there, so we'll see how they, uh, how they play it. Last one for me, Adam. Purdue fans will certainly want an update on how George Karloftis has done here in his rookie season. Yeah, he's done a nice job through uh, two games. Um, you know, doesn't have any sacks yet, but he's done a nice job getting some pressure, and uh, um, I, the Chiefs are happy with him. He'll end up he'll play a lot on Sunday, so um, you know he uh, doesn't always start. They have another guy, Mike Dana, they use in there sometimes, but he'll play a lot. So uh, yeah, definitely, I think the uh, long term his future looks pretty good. I think he'll have a a nice career uh, with the Chiefs. Uh, Adam Teicher, ESPN.com, where you can read his work. Adam, I've always said for people in Indianapolis, if they're looking for uh, a weekend getaway, Kansas City, a lot like here, same kind of people, same kind of restaurants, and uh, a lot of history and heritage and, and great folks there. I love the plaza, love Kansas City, and appreciate your time this morning. Hey, good stuff, guys. Talk to you next time. Appreciate Thanks, Adam. It. Nice guy, Adam Teicher from ESPN.com. Kansas City is very cool, Kevin. I've never been, but I have heard great things. Um, I think a couple – items to note on what adam said there jonathan taylor related the ability to run it willie gay their linebacker suspended this week 
Uh, he's been a really big bright spot for them early in the season. And then um, their injury report is not long, but one of their defensive linemen, I think he just mentioned him actually, Michael Dana, um, is on the injury report. So I, I do think that is the one area where if Kansas City, you're going to call them a weakness, it would be can they stop the run? And it's ironic, in the Mahomes era, the Colts have faced the Chiefs twice. Once being that playoff game, that awful weather game in Kansas City, they stuffed the Colts in the run game then. The next year, though, that 2019 matchup that I brought up with Adam, the Colts ran it really, really effectively. So any sort of chance for the Jake Query upset special to happen, Jonathan Taylor's got to be over the century mark. Telling you. Don't rule it out. Don't rule it out. You surprised biggest home underdog in the history of the Frank Reich era? No, and I think that says as much about the Chiefs, though, as it does the way the Colts are playing. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. they could score, you know, Patrick Mahomes falls out of bed and scores 10 points. So, five and a half point underdog, the Colts for Sunday. Okay, it is time for the pop quiz for the second day in a row. We've delayed it a bit via our guest lineup. Speed drum four pack that we are giving away. So, 317 239 1070. Give us a call. Pop quiz coming up next. Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. By the way, a reminder that Jiffy Lube is committed to helping out those that help out the community. Don't forget that they love to reward Hoosier heroes that use their vehicle in order to help out people in the community. If you know somebody who does exactly that, you can nominate them at jiffylube.com slash indiana for the possibility of getting free vehicle maintenance for a year. Part of Jiffy Lube's commitment to bettering the lives for all of us here in central Indiana. Mark, do we have callers lined up? We have callers lined up. Well, one quick thing before we get to the pop quiz. Are the Detroit Pistons like all in now? Yep. Yes. Sure seems like it. You see what they just, who they traded for? Boyan, right? Boyan Bogdanovich going to Detroit. For the well-traveled Kelly Olenek, correct? Yeah, well-traveled is a good way to put it for him. Jake, I, I don't know if the Pacers have a rival in the NBA, considering everything on the court and off the court. Maybe it, and a present-day rival, obviously, you know, Knicks, Bulls back in the day. It might be a little bit of Pistons, but I'm kind of looking forward to watching Jay Ivey and Boyan Bogdanovich yeah. with the Pistons. Kate Cunningham? Kate Cunningham, certainly. I yeah, I was thinking more of the local ties. No, but. you're right. They got some good young players. And you play your division teams, is it four times a year? So you'll play the Pistons four times, is that right? Yeah, they play twice a year, right? Yeah. Twice in each venue. That's the Motman Bowl. So when the Pistons the Pistons come here and play the Pacers on the two-year anniversary of when Motman and I's paths crossed. Oh, wow. So I think we're going to be— And I, that I, is late October? October 22nd. Trust me, it's a date you never forget. But, Boy, a month um, from today, Jake. He's on call, I think. Um, so maybe he'll have to leave like in the mid-second quarter. Get a page and have he to won't leave. be drinking the bat beers. Probably not over Gamebridge. You know, he told me his favorite beer is PBR. Really? Yeah. So maybe he can come to George and I and watch a game together. I've had a lot of PBRs over at that tin roof place right across the street, or kind of catty corner from Gamebridge. On draft? Uh, canned like two dollar. Got it on draft at Rockstone Pizza, hundred and sixth in Allisonville. Just so not you know. Bad. Look at that, Jay Query. No one is. <laughs> I do like some PBR. Uh, okay, we've got the phone lines. They look to be crowded to me, Mark Dykton. Jake, a number one through eight. Uh, we will go with number... I'll go with number one. We never go one. Fast fingers? Chris. 
What's up, Chris? All right, Ryan. How are you guys doing? Chris, doing fine, my, Chris, I had seven roommates in college. The best one I had was named Chris. Well, that's a good that's a good thing. That's a great thing. Chris, do you use yeah. the bar of soap or do you use lotion like liquid soap? Uh both. Oh, that, this is wow. hygienic. You're, You're you are now your hygienic Chris. Okay. Yes. You're the Naheem yep. Hines of soap users. <laughs> Versatile. <laughs> I like that. Chris, how old a fellow are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 58. 58, okay. And you're a native of Indianapolis? Beach Grove. Beach Grove, okay. We'll speak slowly. Uh, okay, no, here we go. No. Would you Come like for on. me or for Kevin to lead you off with question number one? Um, Jake, go ahead. Okay, here we go. Name the only Division One school in the state of Indiana that is unbeaten so far in college football this season. Um, Big one just across the border this weekend for him. Your options, by the way, would be Notre Dame, Indiana, Purdue, and Ball State. Is Valpo D1 in football? Purdue. You going with Purdue? I don't want to, but that's what I'm going to pick. Okay. By the way, uh, Indiana State, Butler, also options for you. The old Division One term, I feel like, is a little bit loose. Chris, um, that's not right. You, do you want to guess again? Yeah, Indiana State. <laughs> Number two, since the Cleveland Browns franchise was resurrected, we'll see if this quiz gets resurrected. In 1999, they have won one playoff game. Name the only team the current version of the Browns have beaten in the playoffs, which occurred just a year ago in January. The Chiefs, the Colts, the Steelers, or the Bungles? Steelers. The Bungles. Okay. All right, uh, question number three. Antoine Randall Babe Laufenberg... Dave Schnell were all quarterbacks at this Division I school in Bloomington, which happens to be the only remaining unbeaten university in college football in the state of Indiana. IU. Okay. Glad the algebra is going a little bit better than this. <laughs> Number four here, Chris. Mookie Betts hit his 35th home run of the season last night. It's the Dodgers' loss to Arizona. Betts now has 35 homers and 35 doubles this season. Who is the last Dodger to have at least 35 home runs and 35 doubles in the same season? Pedro Guerrero, Eric Karros, Steve Garvey, or Duke Snyder? Think Coach K. Can you repeat the um, answers again, please? Yeah, Guerrero, Karros, Garvey, or Snyder? Garros. Uh, question number five. On this day in 1963, 46-year-old Nolan Ryan pitched his final major league game. But what pitcher who was a Negro League icon is the oldest to pitch a major league game? Is it Hoyt Wilhelm, Satchel Page, Nick uh, Atrock, or Jamie Moyer? Jamie Moyer. You could probably debate whether um, the Colts had a better performance or Chris had a better performance. Chris is a nice guy. On the pop Chris is a nice, nice guy. Dude. Nice dude, certainly. And speed drum tickets, so stay on the line, Chris. I appreciate that. I stand by the name of Chris in relation to my college roommate, but... You know, when Jake's altering the pop quiz with Antoine Randall, what college did he play for? That's never a good sign. Uh, question number one was indeed Indiana. Uh, well, he went with Indiana. Oh, on the, second, on the fourth go-round, he eventually got to Indiana. Uh, 
Uh, the Steelers, Cliff Johnson, Duke Snyder, and Satchel Paige are all correct. Chris is not a loser. What was that? That was... Well, is that uh, the Ball State announcer? That was Dan Orlovsky on the uh, Monday Night Doubleheader, and he sneezed and apparently <laughs> farted at the same time, and it was captured on TV. Now, can we- now the big... <laughs> I, that sounds fake. <laughs> oh, that's my favorite sound from the weekend. No, that the sounds favorite, very fake. The favorite sound of the weekend is, of course, oh, dessert yeah, time that, for cornerbacks. That's, that's true. What are you thinking here? That it's got to be this, right? No, I, I, I deleted that one. You deleted this what? one from Mr. Gilmore. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What was the who was the fellow that um, the ESPN like deportes reporter that they decided to put on an NFL broadcast and it was uh, the worst? The, that did not go well. He was a sideline, right? Yeah. Sideline reporter. Now we've got the Manny cast back this week, right? Uh, that's probably right. Did they not do it last week? No, remember they had the doubleheader last week. Yeah, I guess week? you're right. Cowboys and Giants. Eli on the call for his two and zero Giants. But Eli has been on call for Giants games before, right? Yes. What's yeah. his name? Sergio Dip. Sergio Dip. Do we have that? Let me. Well, I'm sure I can award-winning, award-winning broadcast. One of the finer moments in TV history. What was it for? Was the game in Mexico City? Yeah. Is that what it was? The poor guy. I felt bad for him, man. But like, don't put him in that position, right? I felt bad for him, but let's play the audio now to make fun of him. We got oh, got an ad that's playing. Hold on. It's Come on, Mark. We only got a minute left. I know. We got to finish strong. Here we go. Headline for the Chargers, and here's Sergio Dick. Coach, it's a pleasure to be with you guys here on the field from up close, just watching mm-hmm. Coach Vance Joseph from here. You watch him now on the screen. This diversity in his background is helping him a lot tonight. Quarterback at Colorado, defensive back in the NFL. Okay. Having the time of his life. All I got to say oh, is, man. thank goodness, it's 9.56. Oh, gosh. What a gorgeous day outside. As Mike Wait till Cha- we start broadcasting at 5 a.m. As Mike Chappell just texted me, boy, Chris really did Mark. Beach Grove proud. <laughs> well, I mean, somebody had to usurp the Walmart shampoo fight. Come on. Uh, yes, Friday, tomorrow show. Matt Taylor, Greg Rakestraw, as always, will give some picks out. Big spread, IU Cincinnati. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what that one goes with. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow.